Friday, January the 14th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everyone is having a nice week as we get set up for the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. We are going to discuss all of the playoff games on Saturday, Sunday, and a Monday playoff game with Eric. He is here again with us for game-by-game previews. We'll discuss everything leading into NFL Wild Card Weekend. We've got a ton of horse racing on this episode. We're going to go through Friday, Santa Anita, a couple best bets. We've got the full card for Friday, Sam Houston. Then we get over to Saturday, a couple best bets for Tampa Bay Downs. They have that huge stable duel contest that we're going to talk a little bit about. Then Santa Anita has the Rainbow Pick 6 mandatory payout. We're going to go through that Rainbow Pick 6 sequence. We're going to get into the I think the late races 4 and on at Sam Houston. And then we get to wrestling with Chad Cooper. We are on the road to the Royal Rumble and the road to WrestleMania. We talk about everyone that has uh, staked their claim and that has entered the Royal Rumble so far. And everything going on on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and A. E-W. On this episode, that's what G said. That is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. Give them a follow on Twitter at BTV Bets. So much content coming up. Now, every Monday and Thursday, if you're a harness racing fan, we are going to preview the early pick five from Woodbine Mohawk. 20 cent based wager, $100,000 in the pick five pool every Monday. And on Thursday, every Saturday morning, we will have college basketball previews for Saturday and Sunday on Cutting Nets at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. If you're following on Twitter, it's me, Gino B, or BTV Bets, you will get that live stream for free. Same thing with the horse racing one. What we're doing at Better Than Vegas, we just want to help you become better. Better's everything free. All the content is free. If you go to the website, you can find videos and handicappers, gamblers all around the world sharing their insights, their picks, their analysis. And uh, and we got previews for every single football game we've had um, throughout the year. We'll have them for the playoff games Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Saturday at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Monday, we'll do the preview along with the Monday Woodbine Racing. So, whew, a lot happening over at BTV Bets, better than Dot Vegas. Also want to talk about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. If you need anything in the world of real estate, you have to check out Cindy Carava's website, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. As a full-service realtor, she can help you out with buying with selling, with leasing. She can connect you with the right type of lenders if you need help getting pre-approved for a loan. If you're looking at home improvement, she can connect you with gardeners, landscapers, painters that she's used, people that she has a lot of experience with. Maybe you're just kind of curious to see how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. Check out the website, cindycarava.com. You can get listings there, reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. Cindy is one of the most genuine and kindest people you will ever meet. She's going to be very, very helpful to you. She's going to make your life a lot easier, and she's going to be honest with you. And that's what you want. Full-service realtor, Cindy Carava. Okay, NFL time. It is time for the playoffs. Eric has been here with us all 18 weeks. He was here with us for previews, and now we're going to head into the playoffs as we preview each of these games. Next week, I think we'll have a few different guests. Eric will be back with us again, but um, over the next couple weeks with so much 
focus on the NFL, we'll bring in a couple other guests and we'll really have a bunch of NFL content. So uh, and maybe even one early in the week and then Eric here, or maybe we'll have a couple on the show too. We'll, I'll figure out what ends up working best. But right now, we've got thoughts on all of the playoff games coming up this weekend. Kick back and enjoy. NFL playoff time. I think they're calling this the Super Wild Card Weekend now, and it is going to be a blast of a weekend for football fans, for gamblers, and we thank you all so much for hanging out with us all throughout the year. Eric, we've made it, man, and you were here with us every single week through the NFL season. Previews for fantasy, a couple different previews before the season even started. Fourth and inches over on uh, BTV bets for better than Vegas, man. So thanks uh, again for all the work and you ready to rock playoff time. I'm ready to rock and roll. I mean, you know, this is the time where you rev it up back up. It's kind of what I've kind of noticed from just general betters and they kind of slow it down a little bit. And then as soon as playoff comes, they just rev it up. So I'm ready to ready to jump in, keep the ship going and finish strong. Yeah. And, and- Come playoff time now, it's a little different when you're handicapping and and gambling on these games because for us, a lot of times throughout the year, we're playing spots, right? Teams that are Mm -hmm. maybe not as good, we know are not nearly as good as the team they're playing, but maybe they're catching that team on a short week. Maybe that team was a little bit banged up. Maybe the matchup might be good for them, and maybe that team that they're playing has a more important game the next week that they're looking ahead. This kind of comes... Playoff time is a little different, you know, it's, there aren't really bad spots in the playoffs. It's just, are you better? Are you not? What's the matchup like? How are things going to happen? And now all the cumulative work we've done throughout the year, all the rewatches, all the DVOA dives, all the analytics stuff, all the articles, everything, it all comes, uh, all comes together for this. So let's do it, man. We'll be, uh, we'll be here with you guys too (laughs) for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday on fourth and inches. So we'll have previews for the Saturday games at three o'clock PM Eastern time. Cause these games start at four 35 Eastern time. Then on Sunday, we'll be at our normal time, 11 AM Eastern time. And we'll preview the three Sunday games, two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. And then for the first time ever, a Monday night football playoff game. Let's kick it off with the. I kind of missed the Saturday at noon. Like I really missed the Saturday at noon game. Like I yeah. was like looking at the schedule. I thought that Saturday last year was great. I'm not really that Saturday big of a was fan. Really good. Of the Monday year. night game. I mean, I think it kind of gives the team a disadvantage. I would much I rather agree. have everything Saturday and Sunday. I'm not really I, that I, big of a fan of it. I agree. I think it makes it harder for the teams that come off of uh, off Monday night. So. Let's uh let's jump on into it. We got the first game on Saturday. The first playoff game. The Raiders at the Bengals. So this game, this line has fluctuated a little bit. I think it opened up at six and a half. It moved all the way down to around like four and a half. Where and it's in the five range. Where are you seeing it right now? Most I'm often? seeing anywhere from four and a half to five and a half. Yeah, that's same same with me. So you can get a couple different you know numbers on this depending on which uh, which side you like. So for the Raiders, they come into this game. They're 10 and 7, 8 and 9 against the spread. The Bengals are 10 and 7, 10 and 7 against the spread. Bengals won the division. And the Raiders, they needed to win that game. They needed at least a tie in that game um, against the Chargers on Sunday night football. They ended up getting the win there. I gotta say right off the bat, Eric. Now, I played as far as the futures are concerned. Now, I don't think I'm gonna lay this number. I'm not. You and I aren't the real, the type that lay big numbers. 
But so the way that we handicap, I'm looking at kind of the way that the playoffs are set up, the way that the bracket is in the AFC. In my opinion, I think the three best teams in the AFC are the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals. And I think because of the way the bracket is, it I think the Bengals are a pretty good bet if you're looking at tossing a future in for some decent money because the Chiefs and the Bills, if they both win their games where they're favored, they will end up playing each other. So the Bengals will only have to play one of them. If they win this game, they'll go on the road and play Tennessee. Tennessee will get Henry back. And yeah, they've they've been good. I don't think Tennessee is that great. We'll get by DVOA metrics and stuff. Tennessee is actually the worst number one seed that, that they've ever calculated. And they're actually lower than any number two seed that they've ever calculated. You can get the Bengals in like a plus 1800 to win the Super Bowl, plus 800 to win the AFC. If they have to play this game where they're favored by around five, then they go to the Tennessee, which I don't think is the toughest game in the world. And then you play the winner of the Bills KC and you just beat KC recently. I don't think it's the most. Now, they're young. They could even lose this first game. I'm not even like a thousand percent confident enough to where I'd want to lay this number. But the way that I'm handicapping and the way, you know, it's like you need to play a team's over under at the beginning of the season and you look through their schedule and you see of the teams and the numbers. I thought their road isn't that difficult. I locked them in at eight at plus eighteen hundred and to win the Super Bowl plus eight hundred to win the AFC. Um, So let's give give us some of your thoughts about this game. Bengals Raiders. So looking at this game, first of all, we got to give the Raiders interim coach got to give him a lot of respect. Tons. Uh, He handled the Gruden emails. The rugs crash, the fatal devastating crash, the Arnett gun video, losing five out of six games, the Waller injury, the Hobbs DUI. So, I mean, I know there's a lot of rumors about, you know, Harbaugh or whoever coming in there. But, I mean, I think this guy deserves a season. I mean, I think he handled the room. He got him to the playoffs. How do you not give him a chance after everything? Because it wasn't even like he... He did everything that you could possibly ever have to do as a coach in one year. Yeah. And this roster is really limited. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not like it. their best player on offense, like the last four games, has been Hunter Wenthrow, who just looks like he's just like a dude. You know, he looks like he should be your trainer at Lifetime Fitness. You know, he doesn't. You know what I mean? He's like, you wouldn't really pick him out to be a football player. Um, Raiders 7-2 in one possession games this year, negative 65 um point differential that's one thing that really stood out for me one of um, two teams there are two teams that made the playoffs yeah. the raiders and the steelers that have not not only just negative like pretty massive negative yeah. point yeah. differentials 65 and 55 so that's yeah that's pretty insane um and then you know i kind of did a deep dive into because a well another thing that stood out even before i get in my deep dive we need to remember that the raiders played an emotional overtime game on Sunday Night Football, so they're on a short week playing the first game, okay? That's a bad spot. And looking at their defense, their defense played 86 plays on defense. That's a lot of plays. So their defense is going to be tired. So that's kind of something that I have in the back of my mind when I started doing all my capping. And then I took a look at Derek Carr playing outside. Um, This season, now this includes home and away games playing indoors versus outdoors. Um, 60 yards less of offense, and they have they are scoring five less points a game playing outdoors. Carr's completion percentage is less. He averages more te- more interceptions a game. So I mean, this team is only averaging 19 points a game playing outdoors, 
And then you look at the big picture for the season. Um, now playing indoors, they did average 24, but playing for the season, they scored nine of 17 games. No, sorry, nine of 17 games, they scored 17 points or less. And their back half of their season, their last eight games, only scored over 17 three times. So this team really does have a hard time scoring the ball. Mm-hmm. It's going to be 31 degrees in game. And this is Carr's career. Games less than 37 degrees. Carr is 0-5, and the Raiders have never scored more than 17 points. Now, yeah. let's, look at the, let's look at the Cincinnati side. The big elephant in the room is Joe Burrow. We don't know this injury. Like, he says he's fine. He says he's practicing, but we don't know. There was a noticeable limp, and there was a, uh, something going on with his leg, foot, ankle, whatever at the end of that um, KC, KC game. Um, and they haven't played for a week. So I'm really expecting them to come out rusty and kind of keep everything close. Like historically, Zach mm-hmm. Taylor likes to establish the run, not really take any chances. And then you look, um, Burrow, Raiders play zone. Burrow is averaging two yards less an attempt when playing zone versus man. So he's not as good statistically against the zone defense versus a man defense. So I got a team coming off rest, a team that struggles to play outside. I got two teams that haven't been in the playoffs forever. A young team that has all the pressure in the world on them. So my strategy here, I did lock in the under 24 and a half for the first half. And then I really think the second half is we're going to see the wear and tear of the Raiders being tired show. And I'll look to take the Bengals second half. That's kind of my strategy right now. If the number gets down to like, Four, three and a half. I'll be on the Bengals all day. Kind of the dead zone right now of five. So sidewise and full game wise, stay away. But uh, first half under of 24 and a half for me here. A couple other things to mention. So this season, um, Carr it has a total of 14 interceptions, but he had 25 turnover worthy plays by Pro mm-hmm. Football Focus. So you know, there were a few more that either got dropped or that may could have gone because he actually was one of the the top in turnover worthy plays in the league. Now, you were mentioning the weather too. You take that back a little bit farther, even when you when you look at the Raiders since 2016, even when it's 45 degrees, they are three and nine straight up, four and eight against the spread, and they are one and four. Five, I think in their last like you gave the you gave a stat which is almost identical they're like one in five in their last six straight up the 65 point differential which is brutal the defense for the Raiders ranks 26 in the league in points allowed now I completely agree with everything you said about Basaccia this team was six and seven on December the 12th they lost 48 to nine to Kansas City and we all just said they're done they're done I mean they've gone through everything they've given up they're done. They had to win four straight to get in, and they did. So very impressive from the Raiders. These two teams did play in no- in November, and the the Bengals beat them up. They beat them thirty two to thirteen. The Bengals had twenty three first downs to thirteen for the Raiders. Seventy total plays to forty seven for the Raiders. Won the time of possession by almost fifteen minutes there. Joe Burrow led all passers in completion percentage, yards per pass, second in passer rating, but. Top 10 in interceptions and took a lead league uh, league leading 51 sacks as a team. They gave up more sacks than any team in the playoffs with 55 total. And, you know, that that win against Kansas City was the one that felt like it sort of pushed them to the next level. Burrow 2-0 straight up and against the spread. 
at under 45 degrees. I don't. I told everybody now how I'm playing the Bengals. I don't have any reason to play this game anything other than that because I do. I wouldn't be shocked if this is a close game. And this, the Bengals might be a little bit tight, like you said. They're coming out. They haven't played for a week. This is their first game as a as a team like this, as a group in the playoffs. They're going to be at home. There are going to be some nerves there. But Burrow is pretty badass. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he's just kind of Joe Cool and ends up having a good game. But I'm not. I just I don't really want to lay this. I, I'd I'd much rather find a better way to play Cincinnati. And I think if you play them here. And they, if they win here, then you can play them next week as a dog. And I'm already going to get a, get ahead of that and play them at you know at a pretty nice price to win the AFC and to to win the Super Bowl. So um, that's the way that I've I've locked this game in. And uh, any other uh, thoughts on uh, real quick, Raiders? I forgot to mention. I looked this trend: teams playing each other for the second time. So like this would fall in there. The Cards Rams does not. So teams that playing each other for the second time this season. The team that lost the first game is sixty percent ATS. Good stuff. I mean, I know. I mean, it's just kind of like you know, the team that won. They're obviously not going to change anything because it worked. The second team, time around, they can kind of change some stuff. You have a really little more that, motivation. Yep. Yeah. And and I really think the big thing that is kind of you know getting overlooked um, is dude eighty six plays, man. That's a long ass time. We saw the Ravens go to. Um, Miami on a short week after playing 85 plays on offense and everyone on their offense just looked out of sync and tired. So, I mean, that's a lot because the average they play like 65, you know what I mean? It's like, and that's a playoff game. That was a playoff game. They played in a high intensity 80 plays. Yeah. So I I think that's the thing that's kind of looking out. That's why I really think like, you know, Bengals second half, you know, could be the way to go here. Um, Because it's the same, the combination of Bengals getting into more of a rhythm, like relaxing a little bit, and the Raiders getting a little bit tired and worn down. They both sort of fit. Exactly. Exactly. But with like, with the pace, um, Bengals are 25th in pace of play. So yeah, I, my play that I've locked in is under 24 and a half. If I wouldn't play it at 24, I want to get over that key number of 20. I would want to get 24 and a half and over that key number of 24. Let's get to game two for Saturday. We've got the Patriots versus the Bills. So what are you seeing this number? It's been in the four range, right, Eric? Where is it around yeah, right now? Yeah, it's, it's, it dipped down to three and a half, and it got hammered, and I pissed off at myself because I took a – that's the negative thing about coaching kids. You get these psycho parents that call you at the worst effing time. <laughs> and you didn't, I didn't and get like, the chance to pump it in. <laughs> and by the time you click over – it's already gone up to four and you're like mother effort. Um, so this is, this is my thing with this game. Now I've said forever. My big issue with the bills is they can't run the ball. That's been my big issue. Um, and then also BTW now chance chances, like who's like the hot girl that does the NFL live show. Um, dark hair girl name starts oh, with M. Oh, you're talking about Mina Kimes. Mina's awesome. All right, yeah. So yeah. anyway, I don't I don't know if you remember this, but I've said this on your podcast twice, and I've said this on the first one you and I did for the preview show with um oh my god, Blackjack. The fourth I inches, said, yeah. Yeah, I said that the issue with this Bills team is it is built as an indoor team. Mm-hmm. And her, and her tweet and of she, what she would and wish I, and for. I, and, I, and I know there's no way in hell she saw that, but I'm just no, saying no. That. But that's so I said funny. That 
way back in the fall. Just an she FYI said, to everyone. So her tweet, so, if, if any, for anyone that didn't know what Eric was talking about, she tweeted the other day, what's something that is like an irrational sports take that you have, but you, you kind of believe it? And she said, here's mine, that the Bills should build a dome to get the most out of Josh Allen. <laughs> and then, and then you know, everybody was chiming in with theirs. There were actually some really good, funny responses. Like I saw one where you know, this is something that's happened in the minor leagues, where it's like if any on any pitch in baseball that gets past the catcher, you can just try to get the first. Like if you're up and the ball gets by the batter, you can just it's ball two, but it gets past the catcher, you can try to get the first, but they can throw you out. And then if you get thrown out, you waste an at bat. You know, you waste the rest of the at bat. But if you think you're there, you can get. A, I think I think that's kind of funny. But there are a lot of like random ones. I, I saw. I I was wondering if you saw that or not. That's great. Um. Um. Go so ahead. this game right here. Um. I've said forever four, that four four degrees yeah. is the projected and I, weather. And I've said that the Bills need to start running the ball. So Bills first. What is it? First part of the season. Okay. They averaged 25.4 carries a game, 121 yards a game, 0.9 TDs a game. Singletary, 8.6 carries a game, 42 yards a game, 0.15. Offensive line, the unit is finally healthy now. They have everyone healthy for the last four games. Last four games, Bills, 33 carries a game, 159 yards per game, 1.75 TDs. Singletary has kind of established himself as the elf in the backfield. 19 carries a game, 81 yards per game, averaging one TD a game, 4.25 yards a carry. So they're really starting to establish this run game, which is leading to their defense not being on the field more, which is a huge key to them. So they're leading on this running game, giving the defensive body shots, which is huge. Then I looked, everyone has this thing, oh, Patriots, good defense, stop the run. I did a deep dive. Yeah, they average giving up 123 yards per game. But when you look at it, when they face a top 10 rushing attack, and according to the DVOA, Bills are number nine, they're giving up 131.4 yards per game rushing. So, And we saw during the Colts game, they are susceptible to the run, especially up the middle, which you know happens to be one of the strengths of the Bills' offensive line. So I have all the confidence in the world that the Bills – are going to be able to run the ball here on the Patriots at all because of what I'm seeing and what the numbers are saying. And then you look at Mac Jones on the road, 66% completion percentage, only 195 yards per game and one to one TD to interception ratio at home, 250 yards a game, 68 up, up a couple points. And it's a 2.28 to one TD to interception ratio. But more importantly, the Patriots are scoring close to 30 points a game at home. They're only scoring barely 23. So I think the Patriots are really going to have a hard time um, playing on the road in a hostile environment and getting points with a rookie quarterback. Um, Quarterbacks making their first start in the playoffs against the quarterback that hasn't. So that means the the Bills in this trend. They're 61% against the spread. I love the Bills here. I'm really hoping that the public money, because I feel the Patriots are going to be the public dog, and people are going to say, hey, I can get points with the Patriots. I think this is going to dip down. I'm sitting out right now, but I'm going to be on the Bills in some way or form. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to be on the Bills, and I'm going to wait for the best number that I can find yeah, or try to get the best uh, value out of the Bills. But the Bills come into this game 11-6 and six straight up, 9-6-2 and two against the spread. They were down 21 at halftime, and it feels like that was when they kind of just – Josh Allen just kind of said, hey, F it. I'm going to start running. 
I'm going to start doing what I need to do He started to play his best football They came back, they lost that game But since then they've won four in a row You were mentioned the rushing In each of those games they've had over 100 rushing yards total And how about this The highest graded player in the NFL and by pro football focus Stanford's uh, standards with based on their running grade. So of every single player that's at least taken one rush, any wide receiver, any quarterback, any running back, any fullback, any defensive player that randomly got in and got handed a ball. Josh Allen is the highest graded runner of any player in the league. And if if once you once you qualify it to okay. Anyone that has 20% of their team's rushes, he's the top four. So the top 25 players are him, then four running backs. Jalen Hurts is number six. Then all running backs down to Lamar at number 25. And only three quarterbacks even qualify in the top 67. He's the number one graded player of any player in the league to run a football this year. (laughs) That's kind of insane. It is. Yeah, like he, he like it's, it's that pretty is nuts. literally insane. It's nuts. He's like when he runs, it is so efficient. It is like one of the most efficient plays. Him running the ball, and and he started to do that just a little bit more. Um, on the uh, Patriots side, you were kind of getting into it. I just I've never been that impressed with the Patriots, even when things got really good for them, because they've got a, you know they got to win against the Jets where they won. 54 to 13 then they beat the Chargers and you know we're starting to find out now a couple of their games that looked decent okay they beat the Chargers and they beat the Browns maybe those games that aren't quite as good as they were those two teams didn't even make the playoffs you know those two teams had a lot of issues where they lost a lot of games this year to teams you know, where they weren't up and down or they just kind of had no shows or they they gave away games then you look the game against Atlanta that was that Thursday night game where the Patriots were trying to let Atlanta get into the game and they couldn't do anything. I think Patterson was missing that week. The Tennessee game, the Tennessee was running all over them and there were two massive fumbles in that game that changed the entire complexion. And they and then the Buffalo game, Buffalo, everybody talks about that game as if Buffalo got crushed. Even with all the weird stuff and Mac Jones only throwing with three passes and everything and all that, look at and the Patriots don't like running the ball really well. The Bills were driving with the chance to win the game and they were they had the ball inside the 10 and just couldn't score late. So, I don't I think the Patriots kind of had a good little stretch, caught a little fire and they sort of peaked. I mean, why didn't they win last week? They they didn't yeah. we they got just, a tax. We're paying the tax right now for them losing. That's basically that's, it. I that's mean, it. Like, You're right. You know, I Otherwise it's 3. That's fine by me because I I had the Dolphins, but I mean we're playing a tax cuz they lost last week. That's basically it. When you had right. big picture short. You're right. So Patriots Bills is your Saturday night game as we move on to Sunday Sunday morning. So shout out to Eric. Win or lose this game if the Eagles get eliminated if they get beat by 50. Eric sniffed out that the Eagles we're starting to change the way they played right when they did it. It wasn't like four weeks after and, oh, yeah, they've been running a lot. It was one or two weeks, and you could just tell the way that they changed. You know, they changed the um, – and it was really smart for a rookie quarterback to be able to – or a rookie coach to be able to do it. But they they ended up kind of just shifting the tight end formations. In their first seven games, 
They played 19.8% multiple tight end formations. Their next nine games, 33.5% multiple tight end formations. From weeks 8 to 16, they ran the ball for 194.3 yards per game. That's number one during that stretch. The first seven games, they had 22 rushes per game. The next four, they ran it 45 times per game. And it all really started after the week six loss to Tampa. And it took about a week or two to kind of Really settle in and implement And you called it right away man So this is what we want to do As gamblers win or lose You want to give yourself a chance Over and over and you did You called something out you found it And now Philly's in right And you never want to root for An injury or something like that But here they're here now This game could be close Something weird happens all of a sudden you win this game And then you don't know You don't know what's going to happen Yeah and I mean I'm going to Drop some knowledge on everyone right now, man. Are, are you buckled in right now for the knowledge I'm going to start dropping on you? Because I got, I'm buckled. I, got some, I got some insane numbers. Let's do it. So when you when I tell you, hey, what does the Tampa Bay Bucks defense do? What's the first thing that comes to your comes to your mind? Well, you think stop the run. Okay, so most people say stop the run. Bucks for the year, they're giving up 92 and a half yards per game. But you look at their last eight games. They're giving up 106.9 yards per game. Last three, 109 yards per game. Two games against the Panthers, which really aren't that good of a rushing attack. One game against the Jets, who are 15th DVOA rushing the ball. Now, this is when it gets really spicy, okay? You look at teams that are 16 or higher in DVOA rushing the ball. DVOA adjusts for, like, who you played and everything. So it's kind of like a, a true grade of how good the rushing attack is. Um, they are giving up 106 per game, but one of those games was against New England, and you know that rain game where they had Mac Jones through the ball four times and only ran the ball eight. So I'm going to throw that one out, okay? You know that Sunday night game I'm talking about? Yeah, the the yeah, snow yeah, yeah, game. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm throwing that game out. So let's throw that game out. They are giving up teams that are in the top half. So this this includes the Jets, where they gave up 150 rushing yards to. 133.5 yards rushing to a team, okay? And giving up 28 points to those teams that are in the top half of rushing. So there's kind of like this whole fallacy that this Bucks team can stop the run. Guess which team has given up the third most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks this year in the NFL? Tampa. Tampa Bay. And guess what Jason Jalen Hurts likes to do? He likes to run the ball. Guess what the weather's supposed to be in Tampa Bay, my friend, on Sunday? Let's see. Is it supposed to be a little rainy, right? It is supposed to be a 88% chance of rain with high winds west to southwest at 20 to 30 miles per hour. In that type of game, being a football guy, who does that favor? A passing team that is missing two of its top three wide receivers or a rushing team that is getting every single one back and everyone coming off a bye week. Hands down a rushing team who, again, now, they're a big now, dog, but yeah. they absolutely, this these are the kind of things you want to see when you play a team that's going to be getting a lot of points. Now you look at them rushing the ball. Where is my stats on this bad boy? They set an NFL record. First team in 70 some odd years to run for over a 175 yards, seven straight games, which is astronomical. Last 11 weeks of the season, they're averaging 184.8 yards, rushing the ball 28 points a game, 38 attempts. 
every stat, every number that I'm just spurred out says they're going to be able to run the ball. And I have full faith that they're going to be able to run the ball, that it's going to set up the play action pass, which is going to allow Dallas Gallup, 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 I'm totally butchering his name. Goddard. Goddard. To be a beast on these Tampa Bay linebackers who aren't healthy, who haven't been playing. This is a great matchup. And then also when you start running the ball, that leads to the play action. Guess who the second, guess who's number two in play action success passes in the NFL? The Eagles. I love the Eagles here. Like, I absolutely love the Eagles. Um, I kind of sent you a text message, which I really can't, my buddy told me not to talk about. But that was another reason why I love the Eagles. What was in that text message I sent to you? Um, So, yeah, I just love them here. I think they're in a great spot. I think the value with the weather and how they play, I think it's just all lining up to, you know, just for them to shock the world and just go in there and beat Brady. I mean, I get it. You know, Hurts making his first start, rookie coach. If they fall behind early because some dumb mistakes, they'll fall off the rails. But if if they can control the time of possession and run the ball, which I think they'll be able to, I think this is going to be a game, and I think they're going to have a shot to win it at the end. So I I played the plus nine, and I played the plus 320. And you just got to hope, like you said, you'll know pretty early with them. If they're down by more than two scores, they're going to probably be in trouble. But if they can keep it within 14 to where they can just run, they can continue to run the ball, and they don't feel like they have to abandon the run. Philly enters this game nine and eight, and... 8 8 and 1 ATS Tampa 13 and 4 9 and 8 ATS Tampa had the number 3 overall DVA the number 1 offense but again like Eric's saying they're missing a lot of key players a lot of those metrics that they had were when they had a much more uh a much fuller uh, array of weapons than they have at the moment Tampa was a minus 7 favorite on the road when they played in October Tampa's 5-1 and one against playoff teams They've won 7 of their last 8 They did struggle though in the second half against the run It was one of my notes just like Eric was hitting They ended up dropping all the way down to 12th rushing defensive DVOA And they were up at the top uh, throughout a, a lot of the early part of the year Their run defense sort of got a little better in the last couple But they weren't playing all that great of run teams Offense and defense both in the top 10 in scoring Missing Godwin, playoff Lenny, Antonio Brown Evans, shout out to him He had kind of had a sneaky year He only was 29th in catches But he finished 4th in D, uh, D-Y-A-R a, a good wide receiver metric there He had 14 touchdowns and 14 yards per receptions And Brady kind of quietly Just set the single season record for completions Second most pass attempts in a season With 719 They do have the lowest sack rate with just 22 that's always been the thing with Brady If you can hit him and you can put Some like real pressure on him Then he's going to be in trouble Because he's not the most nimble it's going to be Difficult for him to move around but If he's able to sit back there for a few seconds And just kind of pick things out That's where you know he's going yeah. to That's where he's going to you know really Really be able to take advantage of you but you Also kind of mentioned the wide receiver Stuff okay so Mike I'm looking at The injury report right now Mike Evans he did Tweak his hamstring a little bit He was a full full participant But Grayson has a hamstring injury He didn't, he didn't practice today um, The other kid Perryman, limited practice And like, for those that don't know Limited is basically like you jog on the sidelines You know what I mean? It's not like you're doing anything No, you're not like, doing anything you, you, You're just basically there, just jogging on the sidelines So I mean, that means Hypothetically, let's say One of the two can't play you're relying on these people that nobody, you know what I mean? That 
Brady has no relationship with. Like, who is he going to throw the ball to? Because Gronk, you know, it's it's not early 2000s Gronk, 2010 Gronk. You know, and this is 2022 Gronk. You know, he's older. He can't get off the line. Um, And then Evans, he has a banged up hamstring. And who knows? They may have Slay shadow him. So, I and the ball is going to be wet. We don't know what's going to go on with Leonard. You know what I mean? The recipe is there. Absolutely. To pull this off. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot closer than people realize. It's not the worst matchup in the world for the Eagles right now, playing a banged up team who has some questions coming in. The some some stuff on the Eagles side. They started three and six, finished six and two over their last eight games, but those wins were Giants, Jets, Washington, Washington, Broncos, and the Saints. It wasn't anything all that impressive, but you can't do anything more than beat the teams that are in front of you. Of late, only two teams with a win better, a win percentage better than 500 the second half of the season, and they lost two of them. They played six games against playoff teams. They got beat in all six. They weren't really close in any. And again, those are some statistics that were from earlier in the year, and the Dallas game at the end was when they weren't playing a whole lot, so of their starters. So some of those things could be a little bit skewed. The Tampa game Thursday night, they were down 28-7 with less than six minutes to play in the third quarter. They scored a touchdown. On a big penalty, scored another touchdown on a big penalty Ended up, it was a great cover Even if you don't win the game You'd love a, a situation like that Where you're able to get a they backdoor got, they, got me the, they got me the backdoor cover And the, and it stayed under So that was yep. that was a nice little Nice little was, day for me, I thought It ended up perfect if you were on the, uh, the Eagles side That night And they have the number 3 rushing DVOA Big shout out to their rookie head coach Who made all those adjustments that I spoke about early And a big shout out to Eric who has the Eagles this weekend and has the Eagles in some uh so what do you got them to win the AFC and to win the Super Bowl at some like massive prices yeah. and you had to make the playoffs? Yeah. Massive prices to win the Super Bowl and to win the NFC. And I a- I, I think I think I know at like eight, eight or seven and a half to one to make the playoffs. So awesome. Yeah, so- those make those make the playoff bets. Those are definitely gonna be something like, you know, moving forward to next year, you and I like maybe do like a future segment, you know what I mean? Like middle oh, of this, the yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll do a couple check ins with that during yeah. the year. We maybe we would do a segment like that on BTV, even where uh, yeah. where we we pull some sites up and we can kind of check in maybe once a month, you know, every three or four weeks and just kind of see how they've gone up and down. Um, yeah, that could be that could be. When I fun. started doing that toward the end, just because like everything's skewed on these books because you don't want to do it and you don't want to do it too early future limit yeah yeah and you can't do it too early because there's so much that can happen and with injuries and stuff like that but you want to start waiting and it's the way that we bet too it's nice to be able to maybe play some teams who you won't be able to play in their spots you know but because they might be heavy favorites there but if you catch one or two games on their schedule that you like them as a dog then you can play them in these futures and yeah, it's uh, it was a lot of fun getting a couple of those in, and, and we had some pretty good success with those. As uh, we move along to Sunday, middle game, 49ers, Cowboys here. Where is this? So this has been down. It's been moving the 49ers direction. Where do you see it right now? Um, I, ooh, a three and a oh, three and a half popped on DraftKings. I'm not a big DraftKings guy, but three and a half is up on DraftKings. It's three everywhere else. Okay. So um, this is an interesting game. Um, interesting game. First of all, let's look at the trends. Uh, Shanahan as a dog, fifty-eight percent against the spread. As a road dog, fifty-nine percent against the spread. Jimmy G against the spread as a dog, seventy-six percent. 
12 and five straight up as a dog. Um, 49ers, they basically want to play a game um, down against the world. The grit that Jimmy G showed in leading them back when hurt, you guys in the league can do. I mean, that was that was a pretty impressive performance, you know, for him to do that. Dude, they were down um, 17 I, to nothing, yeah. and they were yeah. done with everything on the line. I mean, they were completely done. And yeah. it, all the pressure was on the in the world was on him. That dude ended up going um, a minute in one second, and he ended up going 88 yards to when you needed to score a touchdown. That's the, yeah. the hardest part, thing in the world when everybody knows you're trying to score a touchdown and you still are able to go score a touchdown. That was super impressive. I mean, credit. You know, I will give that kid all the credit in the world. I would think the 49ers be making a mistake if they moved from him on the Trey Lance, but that's a discussion for a different time. We're here to talk about this game. Um, my big thing with this game is I'm looking at the Cowboys. They really haven't faced anyone that has this uh, rushing attack as explosive and as good as the 49ers do. And to keep in point, 49ers beat the Rams last week without one of the best offensive tackles in the lane, Trent Williams, who I believe Schefter tweeted out earlier in the day is active and is going to be playing, which is huge for them. Um, Looking at the Cowboys defense last four games, 119 yards per game to a rushing attack. Last eight games, 126 yards. Um, I think they're going to be able to run the ball. I think they're going to be able to move the ball against this Cowboys defense. And then you look at the Cowboys defense where does the cowboys defense really struggle the middle of the field and that's where debo Samuels and george kittle eat middle of the field i how the cowboys play defense and everything going on completely matches up with this 49ers team i what? love the 49ers here i actually locked them in at three and then see my forward, the thing is what's so, funny is that it sort of feels like that for both sides because dallas wants to throw the ball and the 49ers are all see i what I hate but, about this game is I hate both of these teams, honestly. And and the 49ers feel like they are such a every, see, every I I think everyone's on the Patriots. That's what I think. I okay, think so because okay, so the ones that I've been hearing and reading is everyone on the 49ers. And that's what I think everyone is on the Patriots. And then you mentioned like who are the 49ers who are sorry, matching up. You look at it. Now I'll be the first to admit the Cowboys have some great explosive weapons. But the production isn't there when they're missing somebody and they're missing Gallup. And that is big because then it forces Lamb to go from the inside slot to the outside. And he's just not nearly as productive playing on the outside than he is the inside because he can't take advantage against the better DBs. You got you then you got Amari Cooper. You know what I mean? It's just I, I get what you're saying, but it's like the they don't have all their dogs in the fight. Plus, the Cowboys' deep offense, it hasn't looked good the second part, half of the season. Dak's completion percentage is down 4%. Let me say, every He's, single thing you're saying, I agree with. That's what made this game so hard yeah. for me. Is These were the two teams I was fading yeah. most of the yeah. second half of the uh, the last yeah. part of the year. You know? I'm, so, I, I hate them I'm both. I'm starting to come around to the 49ers. And I actually... I actually like the future. I got them at 15 to one to win the NFC just because I really feel that no one in the NFC is built to stop the run. See, the, the problem I have though, is just, they were in a situation where they literally were down 17 to nothing and they had to come back and do all that or else they're not even in the playoffs. I'm going through their last three yeah. games. 
They had 17 against Tennessee 23 against Houston Which was Lance And then tw- they, they had 27 in overtime against the Rams But they had 17 points with a minute and 30 left In regulation in that game mm-hmm. And they scored that last touchdown to go So I don't love either of these I'm just getting leaning And I haven't locked anything in I'm le- starting to lean Dallas Mainly just because I'm hearing like I'm hearing a lot of people saying what you're saying is like San Francisco easy they're going to crush they're going to crush which they do match up very very like like you're saying everything about the rush they're the number rush um they are the number one of the best rushing offense they have the the they have the, the number 5 overall offense the number 7 overall defense they were number 6 overall in DVOA 49ers were 10 and 7 straight up 9 and 8 against the spread do we know the status of Trent Williams, who did not play last week? He is, yeah, 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 he's playing. Okay. I thought I mentioned so, that, my bad. Um, yeah. yeah Shepard tweeted out he's playing. Um, back to my Dak stuff, second half of the season, offense hasn't been looking good. Down 4% completion, less passing yards, less TDs, more INTs. Um, everyone's jacking Stefan Diggs for the um, defensive player of the year. I don't remember the last time a, a DB that gave up the most passing yards in a season is the defensive player of the year. Um, I think they're going to be able to pick on him. I just, I don't know. Like, matchup-wise, I feel they also have a big coaching advantage. We, McCarthy's fuck-ups are going to come into play. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't F up as much as he does and, and they, get away with it. And all, like, yeah, I agree with everything. Like, all of your, your handicaps analysis. I think that at three... It's not a big enough number to where I would worry. If you if you're at three, you're basically you're you're pretty much a pick'em, you know, at the point of like you're who do you like Dallas or San Francisco at that spot? Once you get over the field goal, then you're starting to. That's where I start worrying about. Like I don't want to lay points ever with Dallas and with McCarthy, but at three, I'm kind of looking at this game more as a pick'em here, and I'm sort of w- where I am with Philly in that if San Francisco gets behind. I don't think they're going to be able to do again what they just did to the Rams. Like if they're down, they, I don't know if they're going to be able to come back quite like that. They Shanahan 25 and 17 against the spread as an underdog in the regular season. They are plus 1200 to win. What did you get them to win the NFC? I got them at 1400. There you go. Yeah. They're in the like 1200 ish range right now. Question is how will Jimmy G deal with some, uh, some of the defensive pressure there? You were mentioning the Dallas defense and I, I agree with you in that Diggs, I think, is super, like, kind of, he's overhyped and kind of overrated. But where they are really good on the defense is with Demarcus Lawrence and, and Micah Parsons. Uh, Parsons is the number one graded pass rusher in the NFL. And they they have two of the top 13 individually graded defensive players. And I'm not talking about Diggs. I'm talking about number four, Demarcus Lawrence, and number 13, Micah Parsons. They've, in, in some of their metrics, can very much agree to anyone that would want to counter and say some of their metrics might look a little better than they are because they did have some soft spots on their schedule. They only allowed 18 points per game over the last six, but they beat up on Washington and Philly depleted rosters. They ended up getting a lot of turnovers. That's why they're such a good DVOA team. They're number one overall in DVOA, the number two ranked defense, but their strength is the pass D. That's where they're the number two pass defense. They're number 16th against the run where Eric was saying that's where San Francisco is going to try to pick on them. They gave up 4.5 yards per rush. That's 22nd in the league overall. And that feels like the spot where if San Francisco is able to not let Dallas get up by a couple scores and 
and take advantage of a weak secondary Then San Francisco will absolutely be right in this game And they may even be a better football team than Dallas This is funny for me because I was picking on Dallas so much down the stretch Now I just feel like if it's flipped back to where it's only a field goal I feel like the 49ers have gotten a little too buzzy um, Dallas does lead, did lead the league in takeaways and interceptions First in the league in scoring offense, total yards But they uh, they had 127 penalties which comes down to the coaching again That's something that could really end up hurting them That was the league league in penalties The most They do rank top 10 in offense, defense And special teams DVOA Only two teams in the league do that So they are one of the most well balanced Teams in all of football And Most of the time in this situation When I think it's going to be a close game I'm going to take the dog But I'm leaning Dallas and I'm If it's three or under three and I wouldn't want to take at three and a half. I would just sort of stay away because that then I would think it was probably I, I would lean 49ers at three and a half for sure, but I, I probably wouldn't really get involved. Um, and I don't even know if I'm gonna jump in right now. It's just more of a at three. I'm slightly on the Dallas side here, but it's gonna be a good team, a game between two teams that I've just disliked this year. And it's nothing to do with the teams, it's just kind of the game. I always set wanted to kind of play against them because I sort of looking at both of their teams. They had some weeks where they got the bounces some weeks, you know, and that those are the types of teams I like to play against. But the 49ers are rounding into form very nicely. They've got a lot of experience. They've been here a lot of same key players from a couple years ago. So what what then, you did what did you lock in already? Or keep going. Go yeah, ahead if you got real, more. Real quick, the, I, I like it. I like in the three. Um and then the 49ers plus the three. Another thing that led me to this is just looking at the Cowboys strike schedule. I mean Last week, they played the Eagles. Basically, it was the Eagles practice squad. You know, no one of any significance was playing for the Eagles. And the Eagles run scheme was able to get a buck 49. Saints, buck 53, um, rushing the ball. I mean, Broncos, buck 90. I just don't feel like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel that the defense is going to be able to stop the run. That's my big thing. I'm a big guy when it comes to winning the trenches and running. And, you know, that's kind of how I ended up on this side. It's gonna for Dallas. It's gonna be what it's been all year. There, they need their playmakers on defense to make plays. Parsons, Lawrence, uh, Diggs. They they need to go out and make big plays for them. And if San Francisco is able to just really pound them there, that's where they'll have a, a major advantage in one of the most interesting games of the weekend. Be uh, with two of the, I mean, most high profile. Now you stack the 49ers, the Cowboys, along with what, yes. the Steelers this and the game's Packers. Gonna be, yeah, this game's gonna be on Nickelodeon. So yeah, like you the slime game. Have to watch it because it's by far the be- the most entertaining one. It is. Like there's slime and everything. I oh mean, my, uh, Milo will love that. Did, yeah, Nickelodeon does a great, great, they do. great job with that. They really do. They, I, 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 I watch it every time when I get a chance. I, I throw that one on for sure. So I will make sure to do that as we move to Sunday night. And we've got two games left. We've got the Sunday night game and then the Monday night game. Sunday night Steelers, Chiefs. Steelers just. Pittsburgh their way into the playoffs this year They they just They're 9-7-1, 8-9 against the spread 12 and uh, KC 12-5 and five straight up 8-9 and nine against the spread And Kansas City just beat the crap out of Pittsburgh When they played against them um, A few weeks back Now I mean I don't First off, do you think Pittsburgh has any chance to win this game? So here's the thing Like just so everyone knows, this is how my week works. Like, um, 
after the Monday night game this week, after the Sunday night game, I kind of like just go through my first notes on my paper. I kind of write down um, the team's DVOA, some PFF notes, some stuff I noticed. And then me and my buddy Brad, we always kind of do a talk out. And then um, Brad's the guy that taught me basically everything I know about gambling. So um, how my crazy head works is 85% him. Um, then I rewatch the games, stuff I need to rewatch, and then I do my my stuff. And then like usually like Thursday afternoon, Brad and I talk, talk and kind of say, okay, this is what I'm looking to lock in. What are you looking to lock in? Dude, we talked about this game alone, the Steelers Chiefs, for 45 minutes. Because neither one really? of us know what the hell to do. Like yeah, this is by far the most this like every other game was like a 15 minute talk at that. Like we kind of like we're on the same wavelength a little bit. Like granted, he said the lot he said he liked he liked the Raiders, you know, like a couple things we differed on, but for the most part, we're on the same wavelength. But um this one we couldn't come to an agreement just because we didn't know what to do. Every t- every week I come on and I talk about on here on fourth and inches. Mike Tomlin, us against the world, but this to me, this is like the playoff. You know what I mean? This is this seems like a like little it. too much. Like, um, you, yeah, you have Big Ben talking about how he had to cancel his trip to Hawaii. You have they asked Big Ben how what do they think he's of the game, and he said, "Well, yeah, we're gonna lose." Basically, you know, he literally just said, "Like, I mean, they're way better than us. We're not gonna win, so we're just gonna oh. go out there and have fun." And it's like. Oh God! Like I just like for the, neither one of us know what to do. Um, so I have no idea. I honestly, I just have no idea. You look at Big Ben. Nope. I looked at him the last second half. His average yard per attempt is four and a half yards. Jeez. You know what I mean? He basically has a noodle of an arm. I mean, if this is the Big Ben, like at the beginning of the year, he was able to throw it down the field. Yeah, I would give him a shot here. I would he's, look here. He's got Even so little Big left. Ben, He's just got nothing left. He's talking about canceling his um, vacation to Hawaii. This kind of reminds me, and I mentioned this when I was talking to my buddy earlier, and, like, he kind of laughed. You remember Dan Marino's last game when he lost to the Jaguars 62-7 to in the playoffs? (laughs) That's what, like, it wouldn't surprise me if that was this type of game. It wouldn't surprise me if it's just an utter beatdown or if Kansas City gets up 35-0 to and just sits on the ball. Yeah, because they were up 30 I mean, to nothing in yeah. week 16 when they played. Steelers are one of the two teams that we mentioned with a negative point differential, negative 55. And the thing about the Steelers, they don't do anything well. They're number 24 yeah. overall in DVOA. They have the number 25 ranked offense and the number 14 ranked defense. It's not even very good. And it's only been the numbers in their defense look a little bit better because think about down the stretch, some of the teams that they played. They played the Browns who had given up. They played the the Ravens without Lamar. They played, you know, some the Titans who don't really have a powerful offense as it is. So their defensive metrics started to look a little bit better. And shout out to TJ Watt. He set the sacks record and Najee Harris had twelve hundred yards rushing and seventy-four receptions. They they had good years. They don't have they beat the Browns by twelve at the end of the year when the Browns weren't very good when the Browns were done. And they beat Denver by eight. In a game where Denver was actually driving and, and had, looking to t- tie the game, like I think it was fourth and goal, they were you know within like the ten. And other, th- the rest of their wins are all close games, and they're all fluky. They beat the Bills in Week One, which was really weird. They beat Seattle in OT with Geno Smith. 
They beat the Browns the first time It was like 15 to 10 And the Browns crapped themselves in that game Like they did all year long they, Remember the game with the Bears With the awful officiating on, on Was it Sunday Night Football? Or Monday? Yep. It, was, it was horrible Where it just awful call after awful call They should have lost that game They tied the Lions They they beat the Ravens in the game When the Ravens won, went for two Then they beat the Ravens by three in overtime when Big Ben had to drive them all the way down It was like fourth down It felt like it might have been the final pass of his career And they somehow were able to, to tie that game it, And then crazy. I mean you literally the, the Titans win 19-13 When they came all the way back I don't think the Titans scored a point in the second half Just with some weird luck They just haven't done anything well And that's all Tomlin Yeah I mean he is all Tomlin. underrated all coach But I gotta stay and away I mean, here Like what's this number right now that you're seeing I mean, 12 and a half to 13 and a half, depending on your book. I mean, I need 14 they, or above. They have some injuries. The Chiefs have some injuries. Like, I know Orlando Brown, Andrew Wiley, off a couple offensive linemen are hurt. So, I mean, if Watt can get in there, create some pressure, and if their offensive line can block and they can short the game and run the ball with Nigel Harris, yeah, I could see it happening. But that's a big if because the Steelers' offensive line sucks. They're not that good. You know what I mean? Like honestly, if this they, would you would you be more willing to play this this game if this was Davis Mills and the Texans here? Because I think I would. Sure. I'm definitely. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. In that, like the Steelers got here, and it's really impressive that they did because they're like I would. I, they would be one of the few teams in the league. That in this game with this number I wouldn't want to try to get in Anyone that's listening to this show You all know how Eric and I play These games we're never going to come out here And tell you that we're playing a Double digit favorite and laying a bunch Of points but And we would love to if we If I had any real legitimate Reason to kind of want to get behind Pittsburgh here I really would And I'm not laying the number with Kansas City or anything I just I don't really have a ton of interest in playing the Pittsburgh side here. Um, it may, but, if you like Kansas City, they're chalky, but you know, a better number for Kansas City is they're plus four fifty to win the Super Bowl. This is obviously going to be a double digit favorite game here. Then they'll play Buffalo, and then they'll play either a Tennessee or Cincinnati. Their toughest game is pro- on paper is probably the Buffalo game. If they win that game, they might have an easier game the, the following game, yeah. and. They're number seven, what, 12 and five straight up, eight and nine ATS, number seven overall DVOA, number five offense, still the number 24 ranked defense. And their defense started to struggle again the last two games. And you know what, Eric? They, like, they're not unbeatable or incredible. I, I, I wish I liked the dog in this spot to play against them. They turned their season around. They were three and four. And then they went on an eight game win streak. But, but since week 13, when you kind of dig into all their games, they even play that great. They had that weird Denver game that was a lot closer than it looked. Then they crushed, they got a couple games, they crushed the Raiders, right? Then they should have lost to the Chargers. The game when Staley kept going for it and he just kept shooting himself. And then they crushed the Steelers. They end up losing to the Bengals. They gave up 475 total yards. But Burrow, Burrow had 446 pass uh, passing, and Chase had 266 yards receiving. And then they had that tight game against the Drew Lock Broncos, who had nothing to play for. Yeah, um, you know, Kel- Kelsey and Hill aren't like a thousand. But I'll be honest, right. like if this was Drew Lock in there instead of Big Ben, as crazy as it sounds, it's someone with a live arm that can push the ball down the field. 
if if I'm not any anybody, there are so few people per attempt. I'm gonna be here locked in on the Steelers because you can beat this the the Chiefs secondary downfield, but he just can't do it at the stage of his career. So no, you know, it's they just can't. they don't do they don't the the muck it up Pittsburgh style of game just doesn't feel like it's gonna work here. That can work against the other teams that don't have incredibly high-powered offenses because if those teams make one or two mistakes on their drives, then Pittsburgh's right there. And that's how they win their games, and that's how they stay in games. But it's sort of like it's how Miami wins games a lot of the time too. And so it, it ends up being really hard when you just play a like a, a team that feels like they're much better than you. It Kansas City would need to really play poorly to start. A couple bad turnovers, a fumble, a pick six, and yeah, and, the, and they would need to they need to like mess up a little bit. Yeah. And, um, my strategy for this game though is for those that need a betting strategy because I kind of make my strategy for every game. Sit out the first half if it's like a twenty-four to zero, um, like you know one of those games. Um, Chiefs are up comfortably. I will look at the second half under just because I expect the Chiefs just to kind of sit on the ball. And to avoid mm-hmm. injuries, because we have to remember Tyreek does have a little banged up ankle. He barely yep. played the second half. Him so and Kelsey gonna, both aren't. Yep. Yep. They're going to want to get healthy for the next round. Because, I mean, if the Bills beat the Patriots, it's Chiefs-Bills next round. So they're going to yeah. have to get healthy for that. So yep. if they get in a lead, they're just going to send the ball. So I would look at live under or second half under in this game. But anything pre-flop, straight pass for me. We get to the Monday night football playoff game for the first time. Arizona Cardinals against the Rams. Both of these two games, both of these two teams who kind of back themselves into the playoffs, they were both battling for the division, both teams trying to win, and they both lost. And yeah. I mean, pretty disappointing, honestly, for, for bo- both of these two teams because if the Cardinals win against Seattle – they would have won the division and they would have been able to get themselves a home game. And the Rams, they end up, you know, if Green Bay gets beat, you want to be in a spot where you might have been able to get a, another home game if you're the Rams. And yeah, and I'm, by losing that game, they 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 really hurt themselves. I'm I'm upset because these are two teams I wanted to fade. Um, yeah, yeah, and I don't the I agree with you, and I think a lot of people are. These are two teams that not a lot of people want to play. It's probably even a better way of putting it, right? Like, and that's what makes this game a little difficult. So we got the Cardinals. They're eleven and six, ten and seven straight up. Or excuse me, eleven and six straight up, ten and seven against the spread. The Rams twelve and five straight up, eight and nine against the spread. The Cardinals have the number ten overall DVOA, number fifteen on offense, number six on defense. They are the number twenty-two rushing offensive DVOA. So that that's a, a problem for them. They don't run the ball all that well. They haven't. The team has really struggled once Watt and Hopkins went down. They finished three and five in their last eight games after starting the season eight and one. Your boy, Cliff Kingsbury, though, a stat I'm sure you're going to probably mention, or you've got somewhere some good stats for him as a dog. 18, seven and two against the spread as an underdog, covering by an average of six points per. This year, six and oh against the spread as a dog. And in all six of those games, they won outright. And three of those, we're on the road. Um, win or lose this game, pretty impressive. If you would have just taken a snapshot of their season and said, Kyler's going to get hurt. He's going to miss three games. 
And Hopkins is going to be pretty much non-existent And we're not going to really be able to run the ball But we're going to win a, We're going to win 11 games Like that's that's pretty yeah. impressive For for what they were able to do Even with the guy Cliffy Kings That we already we, we all like to rip Because he does some crazy stuff out there um, They just haven't looked good As of late though Eric uh, You know they gave up 190 yards rushing to Rashad Penny, 8.3 yards per carry last week. When Arizona's playing for the division title and Seattle's got nothing to play for, they actually had uh, incredible fumble luck. So, on offense alone this year, they fumbled the ball 25 times and recovered 23 of them. That's nuts. That like a few more don't bounce the other way. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, they had what are they're referred to as aborted snaps, 16 of them since 2010. No team has had more than 11 in a season. They're really sloppy with the the center to quarterback snap, the 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 pass off there. They did beat the Rams by 17 earlier this year in LA. That's a lot of my uh, notes on the Cardinals side. Give us some of your stuff, Eric. All right. So you mentioned running the ball. This is my issue, and I mentioned the stat like. Five weeks ago, I updated it. Um, this is the lowest attempts per game that McVay offense. Now, granted, this is their second high. The, looking, they're averaging twenty-seven points a game. This is the second most points per game. But when I think Sean McVay, I think running. You, you mentioned how much the Cardinals struggle against the run. The McVay is only averaging ninety-nine yards per game this year with his rushing attack. And they're only running on the average 24.7, which is the lowest in his history as a coach. So they're just not running the ball enough. And I don't trust him that he will run the ball enough. I'm the biggest Matt Stafford fan in the world. I love the guy. You put his stats for this year next to Goffs, Goffs are better. Stafford's having a down year. He's not doing that well. You look at him, 38% ATS versus a winning team. Cliff Kingsbury is 72% against the spread as a dog. Arizona, on the road this year, 8-1 and one against the spread. Do you know who their only loss was against against the spread this year on the road? The Detroit Lions. My Lions. So, That's, and we uh, know how Goff is. We know how Goff is yeah. with the Lions, with the, the Cardinals. He's a, he's a Cardinal killer. But, um, you know, all kidding aside, the big thing this came down to me is this. Looking at the last two games, the two games, Cards outgained them and outgained them by a significant amount in both games, even though they lost one of them. Outgained them by 77 yards more per game on average. Um, and the Rams play predominantly a zone defense. Um, Murray averages three yards better per play against the zone than a man. And when they blitz with Miller and Donald, he's just going to be able to rush. And I really think the Rams are going to actually play more zone than they did during the season because they just had to sign freaking Eric Waddle off the off the, the couch. You know yeah. what I mean? And he's gonna be getting minutes. I mean I understand everything you're saying about both teams limping in, but I'm getting I'm getting a four here. Mm-hmm. I'm getting Stafford who's proven time after time after time he can't cover against the winning team. I'm getting a I'm... more electrified player in Murray playing against the team where his strengths were you know what I mean? Like what they do plays into his strengths. I gotta take I gotta take the Rams here. And I if I the car, you're taking the cards. Cardinals, excuse me. I'm taking the Cardinals plus the four. If this was the 2017 Rams that ran the ball 28 times per game for 122 yards 
or even last year's Rams that ran 29 times a game for 126 yards per game. I would be on the Rams. I just don't trust McVay enough to run the ball here. So I'm I'm on the cards plus the four. You know, I cash my Rams future to win the West. That's good enough for me. I'll take the four and I'll move on. I think the Rams have some problems. I think this is the perfect opponent that the Rams got sort of lucky because of any of the other NFC teams, like if the Rams would have had to play the 49ers or if the Rams, which we just saw last week, that's not a good matchup for the Rams. The 49ers, even though they were up big last week, the 49ers came back and the 49ers always play the Rams very well. And I don't, I don't think the Eagles would have been the greatest matchup for the Rams in the world either. I just don't, I think Arizona is kind of in a bad spot more so than I'm really high on the Rams. And I do, I don't think the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. And I don't know if the Rams are going to be able to win another game or two. And I don't want to lay four points with the Rams. I do still think they probably win this game. Stafford Owen screams like 20 to 17. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, Stafford Owen three in the playoffs from weeks 10 to 18. He is third in the league in turnover worthy plays behind big Ben and Mike Lennon. His passing grade looks fine, but it's a bit deceiving. Number nine overall, because a lot of those turnover worthy plays didn't quite become interceptions. And and some of them did. Um, The Rams are number five. They're a weird team because they grade out incredible on a lot of the advanced metrics. And like, if you look at pro football focus, for example, they just have, Team grades where they grade every unit and every player and I've been talking about some of the grades for individual plays and stuff and the Rams are the number one graded team in the league because they don't really have a super weak unit like mostly everything they do is pretty solid but there there's just something a little bit off with them. Uh, two and five against playoff teams this year Do you have three of the top 20 graded Defensive players by pro football focus Aaron Donald number one Von Miller number 11 He's uh, the number one in overall Coverage grade and Jalen Ramsey number 19 They've won nine of their last 10 against Arizona McVay four one and one against the Spread against Kingsbury Here's a stat though that we see Show up in this Game and for the Buffalo New England game Since 2003 Home favorites facing divisional opponents In the wild card round Are 3-9-1 against the spread And 1-5 straight up And against the spread in the last six So and that's kind of a simple The stat sounds more Tricky than it is All that's saying is if you're playing a team For the third time The dog is probably the better way to go Especially when it's a division, you know, if it's a divisional team, you're playing them for the third time, and you want to maybe play the team on the road because they're going to be getting points in that situation in a very familiar situation. That's worked out really, really well as of late for teams. I mean, this is it for the Rams. They went all in. They signed, they traded for Stafford, Von Miller, signed Odell, and Cooper Cup had an incredible year. He, he's got to be mentioned at least. Triple crown winner, only the fourth wide receiver ever to do so when all of the major wide receiver categories uh, in yards, receptions, and touchdowns. Second in NFL history in single season receptions and yards. The Rams had actually won five in a row before spitting out that 17-point lead to San Francisco. And you were sort of hitting on it with McVay. I'm very concerned about him even more than will he run the ball and will, like, with his play calling, I'm I'm less concerned than with 
his decision making. He gets really conservative, really cautious in big moments, in big spots, fourth and twos, fourth and threes. Last week, for example, it was third and seven. The Rams had the ball on their own 43 with one minute and 40 seconds left to go in the game. They were up 24 to 17. You're not tied. You're up. All you're and you're up by a full touchdown. You're not up by a field goal or anything like that. A full touchdown. You went out and made the trade to get Stafford. It's third and seven. San Francisco has one timeout left and a minute and 40 seconds left in the game. So they're going to be able to stop the clock once at least. And the Rams just handed the ball off. They didn't even let Stafford throw a pass on third and seven. Yeah. And that... You're going to punt it and you're going to make him go the length of the field anyways. And they're going to stop the clock. So it's not even like, okay, yeah, you ran the ball. You made them waste their timeout, but they would have been able to get that. That's not that big. You win the game. If you go for it right there, like why do you have Stafford? If it's third and seven, when it's not third and 15, Eric, it's third and seven with Stafford and with Cooper cup, you've got cup and Odell and you can't get seven yards with one of them to win, to put a team away. That's what concerns me about them. That was another thing on my notes. Like, why not throw the ball there? I mean, I understand, you know, you want to like make the team burn the timeout. I get it, you know, whatever. But you have Cooper Cup, who has statistically one of the best seasons ever. You have Odell, who's been quiet and been playing well since he got traded to Los Angeles. So, and you have Van Jefferson, who is insanely underrated. You know, really like, good. Higby is good. He's a big target. Let you know, the guy you mortgage your future for, try to make a play with one of them. Made zero sense. Um, they trust their defense, and then the defense gave up 88 yards in a minute and one second when any everybody in the world knew they needed a touchdown. Um, you mentioned some Stafford stuff. I jotted some stuff on here. Um, I forgot to mention. This is since week nine. Um, average depth of target, down 1.8 yards, almost two yards per play. Completion percentage, down 3%. But more importantly... His number of interceptions have tripled. So he's just not playing well at all. And it's just with, I don't know, like you you mentioned that about the third down stuff. And it's like when McVay is running when he should be passing and passing when he should be running. I just Absolutely. don't understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, I just, like, this is just a 2017-24-21 game feel mm-hmm. for me. Like, me it's too. just. It's just a field goal type game. I'm getting over the field goal with the four. Yep. And like, I just, Stafford, like, he just doesn't cover against winning teams. It's just what he does. You know what? And historically, in every big game moment he's had in his career, and it pains me to say this, he hasn't produced. I'm so. I'm just worried. And like you're saying, with, with the score you're projecting and kind of how I'm projecting it, I don't think they're going to have to do that much moving the ball, but. I don't know if Arizona is going to be able to move the ball all that much. And it's going to have to be Kyler having a really big game because they've been just kind of super predictable, really short stuff, like nothing all that impressive. And yeah, I I don't, I don't like Arizona enough to get in on the Arizona side. I'm definitely not laying the points with the Rams. You were mentioning too, six times this year, Stafford committed multiple turnovers, eight interceptions since week 13 tied for most since then. On the flip side, the Rams rank in the top eight in offense, defense, and special teams DVOA. They are the only team in the league in the top eight of all three of those. And there are only two teams in the league that are in the top 10 of all three of those. So one of the most well-balanced team in the league, but some 
some holes and some cracks there that that you can see and i mean it, it just Eric doesn't Waddle feel off the bench like, it doesn't just, feel and that's the thing the rams and i'm a rams fan if the rams win this game like nicely i think they're going to be a big play against next week because even if they win this game nicely i don't think i'm it's going to tell me a whole lot about them because i think arizona is one of the weakest teams in the playoffs right now I, oh. the way, just the way they came in and, and I didn't like them Even when things were really good for them Earlier in the year And so now, just the way they've looked We caught them in a couple spots I mean, that Indianapolis game is the one that stands out to me I don't know how they didn't get that game Like There were just some spots that were so great for them And they still didn't play all that well So I'm, yeah I'm, I'm gonna be playing against the Rams Not Maybe not this week But definitely moving forward Because I love them, and I hope they prove me wrong if I play against them in a spot and they win. I'll cheer for them. But you know, I think I told you and, and everyone else out there. For me, as a as a total fair weather Rams fan, it's not even something that I'm embarrassed about. Growing up, I didn't have a football team to root for here because in 1994, the Rams and the Raiders both left. So I was seven years old, and I didn't really. Have an NFL team for most of my life I rooted for my family is big USC fans So we rooted for USC really hard And that was kind of like having a pro football team to root for I watched every USC, everything for USC Went to all their games and stuff And so when the Rams moved back It was like, oh cool I'm, you know, I, I gambled all the time So it actually was always nice for me To not really have a bias of like Oh, this is my football team I didn't really have a team It was just, I would play games Based on the spreads, the totals, whatever I thought was, you know, was the smart play. The Rams moved back and it was, oh, cool. I'll root for a football team now, you know, and it got some Rams shirts and stuff. And I'm very happy when they win. But it's it's not like for me, when the Dodgers and the Lakers lose games, it makes me sick. Like it ruins it ruins my night. If it's like a close game or a game that they should have won, that they end up blowing. It's like. I like I literally can't eat for at like a couple hours, and sometimes even that night, like I am sick to my stomach. I don't I don't get that with the uh, with the Rams quite that way. I mean, and I'm sure with you, like things have changed for the Lions now because because perceptions, everything. Like you don't expect them to win every week anymore. No, no. But I get what you're saying, and like to your point, like since the Rams have moved around so much, like SoFi, probably a lovely place, but you. you don't have that fan base because they have been moving all over the place. You know, yeah, what I mean? so you leave you last come back, week so. was nuts. Um, and if you are one of those bigger fan base teams, see, I don't think because um, actually Scott Shapiro, a buddy of mine, he's going to come on next week too and and do a little football playoffs. Um, I think earlier in the week, talk give a little early uh, week preview, and then obviously we'll uh, we'll we'll do our game previews with Eric here again at the end. I'm going to do a lot of uh, NFL content and get a, I think a few extra people on to, uh, with the uh, just the, the last couple weeks of NFL coming up. He was asking me, you know, so what's the you know what's it like out there for the Rams because last week. You know Stafford's wife and some of them were all saying that the place was crazy. It was all 49ers fans and this and that. And that if 49ers, Raiders, Packers, all those teams that we were just mentioning, Packers, Steelers, those teams would probably all have a really good fan base if they were playing in an away game here. In particular, the 49ers and the Raiders are the two teams. When when the Rams left, people still rooted for the Raiders because they just moved up north. 
And then people were 49ers fans Because that was sort of a California team And the 49ers were really good Through all the years For Montana and Young and Rice And they, they you know, the Super Bowl So the 49ers and the Raiders Are more popular in Southern California than the Rams And it's not because the Rams Aren't like liked The Chargers aren't liked the, like, Nobody cares about the Chargers There's actually a pretty good Rams fan base of people I think kind of like me or like my dad Who was a Rams fan Probably paid attention to them when they were in St. Louis But was kind of bitter that they left And then they came back and was like oh cool I'll, I'll, I'll care again and I think with the Rams Too since they've been back They've been good So when you're good people care more about you You get more people to show up at your games You know you like people just care McVay's a cool young coach He's someone that people get excited to see And stuff but this week, I don't think the Cardinals they, They're not like one of those teams That has the kind of bait fan base To where they'll be rocking and rolling at SoFi But one or two more weeks And when the Rams have to play a more popular And if they were to have to play a more popular team at home That they would In the playoff game yeah, too that would, like- that would hurt them, man Yeah, that would hurt it, it hurts not having like a true home field In games like that last week That was brutal The 49ers are one of the worst matchups for them Because I mean, when I was growing up, um, you know, I remember you're a kid and they have like Jersey Day or whatever, you know, those things at school. And all of my friends were 49ers fans. And I remember as a kid, like just not even being that into pro football because there were no Rams. I was so into college and so into USC. And um, yeah, that was a, a massive tangent, but that was the uh, mostly the end of our conversation. Anything else you wanted to mention on this uh, Cardinals Rams game before we finish up here? Um. Back to my thing I mentioned, um, Cardinals. I mean, they outgamed them nine twelve to seven fifty seven. I mean, they're able to move the ball on this defense, and I just feel the defense is taking a step back, adding Waddle. So I really think you know they're going to be able to move the ball because when you look at the Rams' defense, like what did they do well? Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. You know what I mean? And like I, you got to trust that Cliff is going to be able to scheme something. To negate that you know what I mean like You gotta trust like he's a quote unquote Offensive genius he's gonna come up with something um, The defense is kind of Cowboys-ish in that they've got These really good playmakers who can make Some big plays but they're not quite As they're not This is what happens when you have a team That has a couple of The best best players Maybe in their spots you're not As deep there's there's not as much Depth because you pay you know Donald and Ramsey and now you got Von Miller in here and Stafford's got a big con so you pay a lot of those guys like they're the best and they are the and then they play well but everybody else has to at least play replacement level or above and that's some of the spots like you're saying in the middle for the Rams where like if they can get crossing routes if they can get Ertz across the middle if they can get some dump off stuff and then if Kyler's running like if he's able to get outside of the line and turn the corner a little bit Then you know he, Someone like Kyler is always always a variable Because a guy like that in the playoffs Is kind of scary some of these players that we, We've never seen in the playoffs yet you know Which you were talking a little bit about with Burrow We saw it remember a couple years ago with Josh Allen how yeah. that first time He was in the playoffs oh my gosh He kept the sacks he was Taking he was like losing 20 yards It was just like you never you really don't know how someone's going to react in these type of situations until you see it. Some of these guys love it and they just relish it and they just like you're oh wow, you realize you see it in basketball all the time too. And then other of these guys, they kind of kind of freeze up in the moment. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then uh, the other thing I want to mention is JJ Watt that activated. Having Watt there is going to be huge for that defense. Also, Chase Edmonds is coming back, so that's going to help the run game a little bit for the Cardinals. Watt and Hopkins were the two massive losses for the Cardinals where things really changed for them throughout the year because Watt, yeah, a lot of people will come back and say, okay, Watt doesn't have a whole lot left. Well, sure, but he's very smart, and then when you put him out there, it makes it very difficult to have to defend Jones. And then exactly, you, you can't it's on a defensive line if there are two guys you're worrying about that's where what you need you can't if having one guy they can kind of scheme for you to take that guy out of you know take that guy out of it just like you were saying with a, an Aaron Donald sometimes like the the really good teams can do that if you got multiple guys and someone that's smart like Watt who just know where to line up know how to make things easier for the guys around him and just see things on the field make you kind of feel confident when he's standing next to you lots of things that you know could be maybe trending positive for Arizona, even though they didn't look all that great down the stretch because the Rams didn't look great last week either, and they have some issues. Eric, this was a blast, man. Thank you so much again for helping out. But we are, folks, we're not even close to being done. We're just starting the the first round of the playoffs. Eric's going to be with me, and uh, likely Beho, and uh, we'll see who else. If anyone else is going to join us on Saturday, and then on Sunday for Fourth and Inches on Saturday, our show. For fourth and inches will be at three o'clock p.m. Eastern time. We will preview the two Saturday football games. On Sunday, we will talk at eleven a.m. Eastern time. We will preview the three Sunday football games. If you want to come hang out with us on Monday night, we've actually started doing. Uh, Eric usually is working, but we do. We will preview the Monday night football game, and we re- we're doing some uh, harness racing now on Mondays and Thursdays. We got Woodbine Mohawk up in the mix, so we kind of have a little. Preview for their early pick five They have a hundred thousand dollar pick five pool And you can play for 20 cents which is really cool And um, and then we will talk a little uh, About the Monday Night Football game Eric you're also going to jump on I think This weekend for cutting nets On Saturday morning If you if you are free at 10 a.m. Eastern we're going to preview the Saturday And maybe some of the Sunday college Basketball games as uh, Yeah we're, we're getting uh, on the road to March Madness now Yeah two uh, two weeks away you know, um, two months, right two, months away, two months, two months away, two months away, two weeks. It's away. okay. Jesus, Dude, it's I'm okay. sorry, man. Like I smoke like, another one, you know, you're out here in California. Pa- I'll pass one through for you, you know, and we'll, uh, uh, give us your, away. give us your plugs. What do you got? What do you got on your pod and, uh, coming up this week? Um, podcast, I'm going to have, uh, my buddy David on. David is a stats guy. who's just going to rant. He's going to talk about some statistical stuff. For this stuff in the NFL weekend, um, I'm going to give you through a DFS build for the Sunday stuff on the podcast. Um, my buddy Dylan's going to come on. We're going to talk about the big Cam Reddish trade to the uh, Knicks that happened today. And then uh, Leo from Better Than Vegas is going to come on. He's going to talk why Flores got fired from the Dolphins and who should be the next coach and Everything uh, with that, I'm going to post a blog piece on Better Than Vegas with who to build in your DFS lineup for the Saturday games. And yeah, and then I'll be on those uh, three live streams that you mentioned too over the weekend. So you guys will see me a lot this weekend. I'll be around a lot. Awesome stuff, buddy. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll be talking all throughout the weekend and good luck. Oh, thanks. You too, man. Do not go anywhere, folks. We have a lot to discuss on a very loaded episode of That's What G Said. Stay tuned.
horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Some big money Stable Duel games coming up this weekend. Let's talk about Friday. You've got Gulfstream, Santa Anita, Tampa, and Houston. Four different tracks. There's a free ride at Gulfstream Park. Game starting as low as 5 bucks at Tampa. You got a $10 game at Sam Houston, $25 games at Santa Anita and Gulfstream, and then a $100 double up at Santa Anita. So for Friday, we're going to talk Sam Houston and Santa Anita. We'll give you help for both of those Friday contests. For Saturday, Gulfstream, Santa Anita, Tampa, and Sam Houston. There's a $5 game at Santa Anita, and then the big one at Tampa Stable Duel will be live on track. 50 bucks to enter the bash at the bay. $30,000 in cash prizes for Saturday's Tampa Big Game. Sunday, 
Golden Gate, Gulfstream, Santa Anita. Three tracks, five contests, games from 3 bucks all the way up to 200 So we're going to help you out for Friday with Santa Anita and Sam Houston. We're going to help you out for Saturday with Santa Anita, Tampa, and Sam Houston. We will help you out with two different days, multiple tracks for both. Get your entries in and play, race, win. Let's start with Friday, Santa Anita. I'm going to look at races 2, 4, and 6. Get the past performances out for January the 14th. Let's go to race number 2. So we got a Calbred group of maidens, fillies, and mares, 4-year-olds, and up going a mile on the turf course here. The one feeling grateful, graceful is the, the speed, and we'll be stretching out. There is a little bit more speed here, though, with self-isolation and Kitten's Kid, both likely to show some. So I'm looking for horses that are going to come from more off the pace. I thought the two El Caramera Moo comes in from a couple open races up at Golden Gate. Now is back in with Calbreds and was starting to improve and kind of take steps forward before heading up to Golden Gate. You can kind of cross out that five and a half furlong synthetic race. They just sort of took a shot there. And since then, you have three consecutive really nice efforts. This is a filly that's perked up a little bit, and now she's going to come back in and, and face Calbreds in a race where she could get a little bit of pace in here. I'm going to use the two who's 8-1 to one on the morning line. Not going to cost you a whole lot in your stable dual lineup. A good horse to use in early pick fives. I would include in exotics with the six Austin James and the one feeling graceful. So I'd play him, you know, six over, one, two, one, two, six, and, uh, you know, all over the place. Two, two's on top. Two's keyed. Two's to win if we can get five to one or so. The deuce over the six and the one in race number two. At Santa Anita on Friday. Let's move to the fourth race. Bigger price in here. Not the three, Batucon, who hasn't raced since May. The last time we saw him on the turf, he had legitimate trouble. He was actually favored. When we saw him on the grass back in March, he had legitimate trouble. And when he ran on the synthetic, he actually ran pretty well. He was second against Maiden Specials. He was bumped around a bit early. He was all the way up to third inside, but things were a bit tight. He was you know, back to about two off, traveling really well, but nowhere to go. He got shuffled back, and he never had any room. That was on May the 14th. This is a barn who can fire fresh. I always like to play this barn's horses because they don't really get bet a whole lot, and especially in Southern California, and they always seem to outrun their odds and always fire big shots. I don't think this is a monster group, and this runner is going to be dropping in with maiden claimers. Mile and an eighth doesn't seem like it should be any problem for him. In the May race, the runner-up that day came back to win a maiden special weight next out. I think the 7th Street Ruckus is probably the one to beat. Comes in from Churchill Downs and returns to the turf. Pretty good effort on the grass. Two starts back, was behind a horse. Actually ended up finishing third in that race and was was right behind a horse who came back to win a, a maiden special weight next out, then a first-level allowance. So I'm going to use the 3 over the 7 if we can get anything in the... Hey, Eight to one range, we'll make a win wager on the three there. As we get to race number six, I thought the two bender first time gelding was asked for some speed from the inside back on October the twenty fourth, but was not quick enough and sort of had to, to get the lead and then was in a little tight, so had to tap on the brakes. Was back to fourth, fifth inside, about three off. Moved up nicely, but was just no match for the winner that day. Seems to be improving on the upside. Now you get the ultimate equipment change for Bender. 
who is five to one on the morning line. I had him stacked more like a seven to two shot in here. So if you can get anything in the three to one plus range, we will make a win wager there on Bender. A couple plays for you on Friday over at Santa Anita. Let's get to Sammy Houston for Friday. We're going to start in race number 10. We'll take a run through the Sam Houston card for Friday. We'll start in race two. The first is a Arabian race. In race two, Texas bred maiden specials. I thought the one, you're a rich girl, drops in with Texas breads. She drew the rail in the debut. She was a step slow, and then she shot through the inside. She always had pressure to the outside. The three to five favorite, uh, Lemuse. And you're a rich girl ended up being fourth beaten 13 in a race where the winner won by 12. It's a little bit better than it looks on paper. It was against open, not of a, a ton of early pace in here. You've got my racing heart. Who's shown a little bit. And you've got you no know, lumberjack. Leslie, who's coming out of races going a little bit longer. If the one has a good beginning from the rail, she's got an opportunity to get brave in here. And then, you know, you play the one over, I would play the one in early pick fours and early exotics. The four, Lumberjack Leslie, obviously makes a ton of sense. The five, Kara Contina on a huge drop in class in the debut was in with Texas Breds, and that was the career best. And then you got the first-time starter, Dance on her home, who wouldn't have to be a monster to be competitive with this group. But let's take a look at the one. Great horse to use in stable duel. You, you, you sort of feel like you know what you're going to get with some inside speed there. Euro Rich Girl. In race number three at Sam Houston, 5,000 non-two claimers. The one hog wild. The rail shouldn't be a big problem because on paper, he's the quickest. He actually has some legitimate sprint speed in here. So I think with the another horse with a smooth beginning should be able to just take advantage of that inside draw. The eight horse, Rama, is at the very least an under. I mean, he's the one to beat, the one that they'll all have to hold off, but he's so tough to trust on the win end. He's just one for 25 with the eight seconds and the seven thirds. I prefer the one hog wild one eight, how I had him stacked in the third race four, Sam Houston on Friday night, Texas bread made in special six furlongs, the distance. I look towards the outside in here. American enigma to me is going to be pretty tough. I actually prefer the six, seven over the five American enigma is now going to be in with Texas Breds. This is a horse who was going to go second off the long, long layoff. Had a very wide trip all the way. Kind of backed up and came on again. Now goes second off that long, long layoff. You've got the six-peak factor who had a brutal start. Was 12 off and really closed well. And the five Salamantes Diva was five deep. Was right up on the lead. Sat wide, three deep bid. Nothing really wrong with that effort, but... I don't know if you want to take a really short price. And so if the five is the one that takes all the money, hasn't raced since October, you get the six and the seven to the outside with a little bit more recency and maybe the ability to to you know be at one step ahead of the five. Give me seven, six. The one, if you're looking for maybe a price horse to use in here, would be the horse I would throw in. And then you got the five in other exotics. The fifth race, Sammy Houston, four. You got 5,000 non-two on the year. So 5,000 who have not won two races since July the 14th in these time-restricted claimers. I like two or three-eyed Raven. The three-eyed Raven, not two-eyed Raven. Game of Thrones there. As uh, three-eyed Raven's coming back to Sam Houston. Had some good races here last year. And the question really is the distance. 
last year at 7500 like the races at the $7,500 level are competitive. Look at the race at EVD. Just cross out the turf race last time out. Cross out the race on March the 24th when was sent to the bench after that for a few months. Then look at how much better the form is. For three-eyed Raven who fits the conditions very, very well. These are for four-year-olds and up, which have not won two races since July the 14th. Well, he won on July the 16th. He's only raced one other time since then. And right, his last win before that was on June the 24th. Like he fits the conditions very, very well in here. The number seven, three-eyed Raven, who is 20-1 on the morning line. The six, Deano's Cape, makes a lot of sense on the drop-in class. The one, Paddock Pick, and you get the entry there. So <clears throat> Paddock Pick and Zanucci likely will take a, a ton of money. And the two G's turn if you want to get a little creative. Dropping in from open five claimers last time out. Millwood also wouldn't shock. Proven at Sam Houston was in against protected company last time out. Now the drop two back that race against $7,500 claimers would actually stack up very well. So I'm going to use the seven and hook up along with the one, two, six, and three in other exotics. And those horses will be combinations of horses I use in you know pick fours, pick fives, stuff like that. But the 7-3-Eyed Raven, for me, the one to bet. Race number six starts the late pick four. A non-three allowance, six furlongs the distance on the main track. But the one Stacy's red dress with the inside speed comes out of a race on the turf with a couple next out winners. Icy Charlie was second in the Orleans Stakes and has won five of the last eight. The sixth place finisher won an open allowance next out with an 81 buyer. She actually did win on the main track in her debut. It was a, a track that was listed as good. And Codify has a little bit of speed. Cantata, $950,000 purchase. I mean, this horse is very regally bred. But the wins have been sitting really close. She might not be able to do that. I mean, she's classy. If they want to ask her for speed, I'm sure she can. But I don't know if that's what's best for her. I, I think she's got it. The two, to me, has to be a play against in the exotics. She's the type that could win this by 10 but she'll be way short of a price. I would much rather take my chances with the one and the four. Lacey Boss and Stacy's red dress. I just feel like if Cantata, who was working over at Fairgrounds, if she was really doing well right now, they'd have had her in a spot over there. I don't know. One, four. As we move along to race number seven at Sam Houston. 15 non-two claimers mile on the main. The two big power red. What's wrong with the... August 28th race, going a mile on the main track. Yeah, I was on the slop. Then you go back to May at Prairie Meadows. What's wrong with that? Breaking the maiden there. This isn't the strongest group in the world. The one coming off of a couple abysmal races. The three is at least lightly raced with some upside, and you'll get this course to be forwardly placed. So I'll play with the two and the three. In some exotics, maybe a little six underneath in race number seven. We get to race number eight. Start of your late daily double. I thought the three was the the really tough horse to beat in here. Lone speed. And I just, I was trying. I just, I couldn't really get all that creative. The four to me was the other one. Sierra Summer, I guess, if you uh, if you were trying to, coming out of a good open allowance race behind Factual. Close things out in the ninth with Maiden $7,500 claimers. The one Maisie G had a good start, was right with the leaders, but was five deep across the track. Now drops, now cuts back. The rail draw, gotta send hard from the inside. The number one, Maisie G, 
10 Lightster feels like the horse to beat. Easy is good, coming off of a pretty good effort at Delta Downs. Now we'll cut back to 5, and has at least shown enough early kind of positional speed to where you're not too worried about him getting outrun or her getting outrun in this spot. Going 5 furlongs, 1-6-10 on Friday night to close things out over at Sam Houston. So that's Sammy Houston for Friday. Let's flip on over to Saturday, talk a little bit about the Saturday races. First, we are going to head to Tampa. But before we do, just wanted to remind everyone out there about the Pick'em Contest at Santa Anita. These are free. There's a free contest every Saturday and Sunday at Santa Anita, pick'em.sananita.com. You have to answer 12 props that are either questions about the Santa Anita card for that particular day, you know, which race is going to have the highest winning payout? How many mounts? W- uh, how many races will Flavian Pratt win on the card? Questions like that, or questions about sports? You know, point spreads in football games, over unders in you know football games, questions in basketball games about you know, leading scorers, and r- all sorts of really fun crossover stuff. Every Saturday, every Sunday, you have to check it out. We will do a live stream on Fridays to show you how to sign up and then to go through what some of the props are for Saturday. So pick'em.sananita.com. Check those out every weekend. So for Tampa for Saturday, let's take a look. They've got that big stable duel contest, 50 bucks to enter $30,000 in prizes. Stable duel will also have a party live on track. Get to stableduel.com for all the details there and uh, make sure to get involved in that big stable duel contest. In race number five, I thought the one provocator is probably the horse to beat. The three Morgan point, I will likely bet he's 10 to 1 on the morning line. He settled last on December the 4th. He was about 10 lengths off. And then they asked him for a little, and he really started to roll inside, then angled around six wide, and he crushed. He's going to go second start off the bench. He's going to go first time Lasix in here. And he looks like he should get a really good amount of pace to chase in this race, the number three. Morgan Point. I'm going to use an all exotics. I'm going to play to win. If you're playing in stable duel, this horse is 10 to 1. Only going to cost you $1,000 to use in your lineup. Let's get to race number 6. Well, if you're looking at the Gasparilla, the stakes race, I thought Outfoxed was going to be really tough in there. And this horse is going to be chalky, 2 to 1 on the morning line. So nothing really very creative in, in that spot. In the 8th race, mile and a 16th on the turf course, optional 32, non 2s. Shrules, Spite has a lot of ability the number five and i think that she will or i think i think he will really run well getting back to the turf so wins his debut on the grass going seven then they go on the synthetic against grade three company win that race then they try the grade one woodbine mile and just career start number three a little too much this horse was under four to one in that race came back in a stakes race and finished third and didn't run poorly then kind of up a little too close early and then ran in January, was off since December. Needed the last race, was going long at Gulfstream Park. Now you're going to finally get back to the turf. It was on the synthetic last time out. And I'm just expecting Cheryl Spate to really like the return to the turf. 5-1 to one on the morning line. Anything around 5-2, to two, I'd make a win wager. This one would only cost you about 6000 in your stable dual lineup. In the ninth race... The wayward last, a mile and a 16th on the main. I like the 8, Serene. So, twice Serene has been in races that have been taken off of the turf. Once was on the synthetic, once was on the dirt. Both of those races resulted in wins. 
all I needed to see was on October the 9th that she could handle the dirt. Yeah, she crushed a group. We don't know how good the field that she beat at Hawthorne was. But from a class standpoint, her form on the turf shows how classy she is. And and she does have some ability on the dirt. Just tossed the mile in 516th race at Kentucky. That was way too, that kind of like a deep, long, and just tough spot for her. But she was only 9-1 to there. Runs into a horse named VIP Nation who's won three in a row. VIP Nation was actually put up via DQ in one race, four back, so has crossed the wire first in five straight. Serene. At 12 to 1 on the morning line, it's only gonna cost you 750 in your stable dual lineup. A great horse to have in because uh, you can really maneuver around in the other races when you use a couple shorter prices. So good luck. Tampa Saturday. Stable duel, big game. We'll be talking more about it on Friday. And uh, everyone that's going out there to have a, have fun and party, enjoy it. Take some pictures, take some drinks. Let's get to Santa Anita. They're going to have that rainbow pick six mandatory payout on Saturday. Once again, don't forget about those pick em contest. Now, earlier in the car, there is a, a stakes race, the Cal Cup Derby. It's not really a great betting race. That's why they have it so early on in the card. Straight up G is going to be tough. Phineas has run some good races there. I'm not sure if he's a little bit better just as sort of a sprinter. But, you know, those are the two that are going to just take a ton of money in there. It's not really a great betting race. Let's get to the pick six. Starts in race number five. Calbred Maiden 50 Claimer. Six furlongs the distance. The three make mine wine. A first time starter for Jonathan Wong. The dam won the debut. Also won a first-level allowance at Churchill. Was stakes placed at Penn National. Five of six siblings to race one. One won in the debut. Three finished second in the debut. That shows me they were all a little precocious. This barn is very good with first-time starters. 21% in the last year. 13 for 63. The five smiling goodbye. Dam won the debut. Was six for 13. Five siblings raced. Four won. Three multiple winners. Two won the debut. This is a horse. It's a half uh, to... The horse was actually trained by Dean Peterson, Raul Rosas, and won the debut at Del Mar in a Calbred Maiden Special Weight at 8-1. This barn also won a Calbred Maiden Special Weight on June 11th with a horse named Active Account. So very capable in spots like this. 3-5 for me. The 4, Stay Lit, <laughs> who's coming into the Actine barn, getting Lasix for the first time. You've got the 7, Don Daniel, who's a first-time starter. Six siblings, five multiple winners. Arthur Spooner to the outside. King of Queens reference there. The races against Maiden Claimers would fit really well in here. The two, Big Gun, all three sibs, one, 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 the debut. But I like the three, five. I've got them in sort of the top tier in race number five. As we move along to race number six, the Unusual Heat Turf Classic, mile and an eighth on the turf course here. There isn't that much speed. That'll make the two Margo's boy at least a pace factor in some of the exotics. The outside runner, Indian Peak, to me feels like the one to beat. This is a legitimate graded stakes caliber horse who was third in the grade two Seabiscuit just two starts back and now is Back in with Calbreds, this horse won a Calbred stakes going a mile on the turf course that you see back in October. But my top selection in here, because of the price, is actually going to be Big Fish. Good movie, also. So last out, Big Fish was bumped around, was squeezed back early, lost a spot, lost about a length, and was about too deep in between horses, wasn't even four lengths off, and 
moved through traffic in between horses, kind of bumping around, but kept kind of finding his way through and kept pushing through, trying hard, just missed third, big on the gallop out. Now you get back to the turf. In his turf races, he won his debut. He was second against, uh, he won his second start against Stakes Company, open company. And so since then, it's all been open company. His last five turf starts have all been against open. Now you're back in with Calbreds. That October 10th race, three back, the open $100,000 optional claimer. Man Friday was four to one next out in a stakes race. Dicey Mochara won a first level allowance next out, then tried the Hollywood Derby. And Big Fish just had a slow start, recovered, settled seventh, and had a really wide trip and was actually in the race, but the wide trip just sort of caught up with him. I like Big Fish in race number six. I have him stacked six, eight, two. As we move along to race number seven, start of the late pick four here. I looked at the outside with Crash Corrigan. Tossed the turf, tossed the October 10th, which I think he was just in a little too tough that day. He was 27 to one. And last time out in the first start for Ruiz, he was squeezed back on both sides at the start. And he settled six. He's about four or five lengths off. He angled widest of all. The eventual winner ended up angling around him and moved by him late. But I I like him most in this field. I will use the probably the two scary fast smile who's pretty quick inside draw and just kind of never involved after breaking outward last time out. Comes out of a couple productive races. You've got the four gates of heaven who's super logical here. You've got the five, six, and seven. Susie Q's brother, Brace for Impact, Alpine Thunder as sort of in that next tier for me. But I may single the eight on some tickets. I may go like a little two, four, eight, but probably eight in a lot of spots. As we get to the eighth race, the Philly and Mayor turf sprint down the hill. The 11 is the horse who I really like in here. Eddie's new dream who has legitimate excuses for the only poor performances, and he's at the board in the other eight starts she has. She was in a grade one last time out, and she just missed third after getting shuffled a little bit. It really wasn't a bad effort. That was on the dirt. October 30th on the turf, she hopped the start from the rail. She had to settle farther back than they would have liked. She was seventh inside, about five, six off, traveling well at the rear, waiting, waiting, tried to move Nowhere to go, move back inside, really loaded with no room. Eddie's new dream, Warren Showtime, looks like the one to beat. Legs galore I'll also include. That's my top tier, 11, 9, 12. As we get to race number 9, it is the Cal Cup Sprint. What do you do with Brickyard Ride? I guess that's up to you. I like the 6 and 7 more. If Brickyard Ride clears, he's going to be really tough. But let's get lucky and Principe Carlo. To me, let's get lucky. Third start of the form cycle. You're coming back in with Calbreds after facing opening uh, open company. You cut back. And then you get Principe Carlo, who just loves to win races there. And we get to the 10th and final, the Cal Cup Oaks. The three, Vivacious Vanessa, was really, really impressive in her debut. And she's getting back to the grass. Go watch that, that replay. It was awesome. She's a must-use. Eleuthera. 
really like her. She got kind of caught in a in a switch last time out. She was on the front end. Horse made an early move, and she sort of was a little flat-footed, and she tried to come on again. She just couldn't get to that horse who made that early move. The blinks come on, give her a little more focus. She's going to go second off the bench. She's by no means a horse who needs the lead. She closed well in her debut, and she's got some pedigree. She's intriguing. Professor's Pride, that's the one to catch, and that is Santa Anita for Saturday with that rainbow pick six mandatory payout. Best of luck there as we head on over to Sammy Houston. So for Sam Houston for Saturday, I just thought the first couple races were going to be really chalky and I had no real strong opinion. So I'm going to pick things up in race number four on January the 15th for Sam Houston. And we're looking at the 1A Old Trafford who comes out of a really strong race was behind Fairway Magic and Wild Behavior. Fairway, Fairway Magic has won two in a row in the last eight. Five wins, two seconds, and a third. The last two winning buyers were 91 and 94. Won those races by eight and a quarter and four and three quarters. Wild Behavior had won five in a row before that November the 5th race. And Wild Behavior won an option, won a, <clears throat> a $30,000 claimer next out at Oaklawn. And look at the form that Old Trafford had prior to that race. It was really, really good. He just ran into... A tough group. Now he's got a couple months off. He's a little fresh now for top-notch connections. Old Trafford, I'm using all over. If you're playing Stable Duel, this is nice because you get the two-for-one action. I think this horse gets bet down a little bit. Anything over five to two will make a win wager. We get to race number five, mile on the turf course here. The number two, Leather and Lace. October the 30th was traveling really well. Got squeezed out of a spot towards the rear, then moved it in the inside was a little bit better than looks and that was the last time on the turf it was on the dirt last time just isn't quite as good on the dirt you get claimed and you're back to Sam Houston your favorite turf course where you've run the best races in your career you're gonna be a nice price the number two leather and lace ran into run sloopy run a few starts back who is three for three a perfect three for three on the turf Adam Stack, two over the four, Lavender, who looks like the one to beat. The three, zoom up, third off the bench. You got a turf-winning sieve there, trying the grass for the first time. A little bit of speed with a very good gate jock aboard. The sixth race starts the late pick four on Saturday night at Sam Houston. They'll go a mile on the main track. I like the eight, Silver Warrior. November the 27th, in a tough race, got squeezed out of a spot early on and took up. Was back to last, was eighth, was about eight to ten off. Ends up moving three deep in between horses, was up to sixth, about three off before tiring. I think you put a line right through that race. And then if you're playing this horse off of the November 4th race, off being beaten just a neck there, you'll be right in the mix with this group. The horse race day rebel came back to win a maiden special eight next start. Silver Warrior. 8-1 to one on the morning line. Anything around 5, I'll make a win wager. I'll use along with the 4, Cottonwood, who's 15-1. to one. They should be sending hard on the stretch out. And then the Logicals, the 2 and the 7, Spurl and Magazine Street underneath them. In the 7th race, 15 non-4 claimers. The number 8 is the sort of creative horse in here. Remember me, Tony. Now, she he is still a non-3, and he's in with non-4. But if you key off his dirt form, seven furlongs feels like a great, great spot for him. There are no monsters in here. He's got 10 turf races, so his overall form looks a little bit worse than it is because he's 0 for 10 on the turf. But he drew the rail last time out. He was inside. He was only about four or five off, and he wanted to go. 
He moved into traffic. He was traveling well. He got shuffled back inside, and he just couldn't come on again in a race where the winner went wire to wire. I'm using the 2B as well. 8, 2B in race number 7. As we get to the 8th race, that's Sam Houston. Optional 30, non-2s a mile on the turf course here. I'm looking towards the outside with the 8. March is May. If you toss that last race, what's wrong with the 2-start back race against First Level Allowance Company at Remington? In July, off a similar layoff, she was a good third. Number two, Quinn Ella, 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 A, 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 after my Quinn Ella, Ella. That, to me, looks like the one to beat. The five Spanks legacy is, you know, also right in that conversation. Quinn Ella and Spanks legacy, they're going to both kind of battle and be pretty, pretty tough in here. So I would use the eight along with the two, five. The three factual is in really nice form, but we'll now have to prove it going longer on the turf. As we get to the ninth and final at Sam Houston, open maiden special weights going a mile on the main. I'm looking at the three. Levy moved up from six, was about five off, three deep, up to just two off, and was in between horses, kind of beat to a spot, had to wait, then move to the inside. Now you're going to go third start of the form cycle. Two back was at Churchill behind an X-Dot winner. Put a line right through that race. Just a little too tough there. The eight, Big Bernie. Looks like the one they'll all have to run down. The nine, Federal Hill on the big drop-in class. I stacked them 3-9-8 in the ninth and final on Saturday over at Sam Houston. And we are going to get into wrestling with Chad Cooper next We'll talk uh, everything happening on the road to WrestleMania, starting with the Royal Rumble. Who's all entered so far? What's been happening on SmackDown? Positives, negatives, raw, positives, negatives. We'll get into NXT and also AEW, Battle of the Belts, and Dynamite. Everything going on in the world of all elite wrestling on the change on over to TBS. Coming up next, it's This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. So you want to set the mood, you're looking for something all natural, soy wax, non-toxic baby, scents for every season, now don't be afraid baby, just spell it out. C-E-R-A-N-O-S.com And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mmm, mmm. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. So uh, no head through the uh, glass window of the door this week. So we were able to record on normal time this week, this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper here. Koopaloop joins me. And Coop, we are on the road to WrestleMania. Lots of rumble uh, promotion. Lots of uh, people, you know, declaring themselves the entry for the rumble. And we know what's going to happen. Johnny Knoxville's winning this thing, right? <laughs> well, I think we know one thing is for sure. Uh, him and Sami Zayn have uh, a little something going, and like I sent you yesterday, there's even some some pop up books, sports books, taking bets on Johnny Knoxville in the Rumble, 
and uh, he is a heavy. He, he, he's a a decent favorite to eliminate Sami Zayn. And what's weird is I didn't know that's what you could do to uh, to get into the Royal Rumble by throwing Zayn over the top rope on SmackDown. So it's like hey, an look, unofficial entry, huh? It, I know. Hey, qualified. <laughs> this this is WWE to a T. The new Jackass, the new and final movie is coming out. I'll tell you this. I was a massive, massive jackass mark. Love I those dudes. I used to watch CKY2K way CKY, before. Yeah, yeah, way before that. Me. Yep. Oh yeah. So look, I, I, I see why they do. They're doing it. Uh, the a, AEW fans not gonna like it. I see why they're doing it. I'll say this: he'll probably do something wild and crazy because uh, Johnny Knoxville just doesn't care about his body. Oh yeah, they'll try to get some buzz for that movie by a, a good stunt or a good spot or two. As uh, yeah, we're we're getting ready for the Royal Rumble, and uh, we'll head on over to oh, kind of a bit of news before we jump into SmackDown. Corey Graves has yeah. been, which is. Um, Congratulations to Corey Graves and great news for him We've seen a string of these now over the last decade With Daniel Bryan, who many thought was never going to wrestle again With Edge, who many thought was never going to wrestle again And now with Corey Graves, who all have had similar head, neck, concussion sort of issues and injuries And so now with the the science that we have And with the improvements in you know, medical technology every single year Corey Graves has been cleared and Corey, he was really unlucky because he got hurt right before NXT went hot, right before they blew up. He was in a tag team with Neville in sure. some of the early NXT days. And then right after he ended up getting injured and he made the transition to the uh, the commentary, he's been a really good commentator. And I know he can be a little polarizing sometimes, you know, he plays a heel commentator. So people are supposed to hate him, but he, um, he did a really good job when he came in. He was very fresh. He was new and he's always, you know, I think he does a great job on commentary and I'm, I'm intrigued to see if what happens. Is he someone who, you know, maybe they do like the Jerry, the King Lawler kind of role where he can be the commentator and maybe you, you get him involved in a story or two, you know, a match here or there. Or I wonder if he wants to just give it a go again and go back to wrestling. It just he feels like such a value to them as a commentator that you you wonder what I'm. I'm just kind of curious. And w- with everybody being close to the Rumble, you always wonder if someone's going to show up in the Rumble. You know, I remember watching the WWE Network behind the scenes special on. I don't know if it was on him. Uh, I'm sure they've had one on him, but it was it was about NXT specifically when mm-hmm. he got the call that his in-ring career was over, and he just broke down. He thought his life was over. Uh, he called his then-wife uh, and just said, man, hey, man, my career is over. And then just within a matter of, I don't know if it was minutes, hours, days, or weeks, you know, Triple H said, hey, man, um, you're not done. We want you back. And uh, I love Graves um, just for the simple fact that I I love a good Hill announcer. I I was Bobby. The brain was my ultimate favorite. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be him, you know, on on some kind of back then just recording myself on on these tape decks, cassette tapes and just talking bad about people. Uh, I, I just love the Hill stuff. 
I don't know, man. It, it it's it's odd. Um, like you say, um, if he turns into a full time wrestler, they lose a very valuable uh, asset to the announce team, which is really hard to come by because over the last two years, we've seen people go in and out of the Raw and SmackDown and hell, even the NXT yeah. uh, announce team. So that's a hard thing to do. I would think, you know, I definitely would think he's a surprise rumble. Uh, I wish they would have kept it a surprise, but maybe they had to put it out there. Maybe this, I, I, I don't know. Maybe him and Carmella can do something now. Miss mm-hmm. Mag, I don't know what they're going to do, but hey, if he's, uh, if he's free to do it and wants to do it and has the all clear, Kudos to him, man. That That's great news. I think the next one who really has been kind of hinting and wanting and trying really hard for this is Paige. Sure. She sure. she wants to get yeah. back in the ring, and she's been trying and trying and wanting to. But uh, hopefully, if if, it, if it's healthy and uh, for her to do, she will get the opportunity at some point with the way things are. But it's great to see Corey Graves with the opportunity to get back in the ring. And we'll see where that takes him. But we are going to go to Friday Night SmackDown. Last week, so things got a little. You 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 so you told me you had some uh, you had a rant on SmackDown. You had a rant a little bit on AEW. So SmackDown last week, I mean, uh, there's there's definitely good, but I don't know. I'm very confused with what's happened ever since the the change of the match and Roman Reigns getting COVID now because right right. It seems like everything is in a really weird direction now. Do you think they work? They're working us. I don't. Do you, I mean, would you put it past them? I don't. Here's no. I wouldn't I put know. it past them, but I don't want to give them that much credit right now sure, because it doesn't sure. seem like they in the last couple and that's years. That's something you want to play around with, either. Right? Yeah. Um. So I've been down a little bit, Gino, on SmackDown over the last several weeks. Now we're hearing. You know, we've been complaining about Shinsuke. Why is he doing this? Well, well, now we're getting some word that he's been injured. So at uh, least that hurt. makes sense. So at least that makes sense. Um, the Brock Roman thing now gets very interesting because the show opens with them two. And now we get the end of the show where Roman's next opponent is at Royal Rumble for the championship. is not on SmackDown. So that's I'm that's just, what's weird. I, I, it doesn't bother me because I think it's going to be one hell of a match. I think that's WrestleMania. I think we talked about it last week, man. I just have a feeling we're heading towards Brock and Roman at WrestleMania with these two titles. So I, that's what I don't necessarily love. Me I don't either. And me I don't either, mind. You have two shows. Yes. And that's that's the problem, right? You've got to have a champion for each show. These these two shows are on two different networks too. That's where yeah, it gets tricky. Yeah, because we've seen a we've seen a minor disaster, and I and I say minor, minor. It's nothing compared to WWE. But we saw what happened when the Omega had the AEW World Title and the Impact World Title. Right? That was a complete disaster. And we'll get to Impact and WWE here in a matter of moments. But that's what I don't like. But it is the big money match. The, so here's what. I, it's oh, funny let's go because back you're to day one, Gino. Let's go yeah. back to day one real quick. Do you think now that Brock Lesnar was going over Roman Reigns that night? No. Okay. I say the opposite. I think I thought, yes, he is. And that's why I kind of think maybe it's a little work. 
I mean, I know COVID is not as bad. Look, and I'm not downplaying it. So I, I don't want to get hammered with it. But the stats show, if you, you know, we do know that Roman has underlying conditions, for God's sake. But there, there are a lot better treatments now. And people are getting over it a lot quicker than they were in 2020. Reigns came back awfully quick. He did. It was weird. It was weird. Um, and then just what I, because I had heard that they were they Brock they sold a lot of tickets to that show because they put Brock there. So then they sort of felt like they needed to have Brock in their mix somewhere there on that show. But I don't. I'm I'm interested, but I'm also bothered. If that makes sense, right? Like I'm I'm sure. intrigued. I'm intrigued at where they're going. I'm curious at where they're going. This and it's crazy. Not, it, this is craziness now. Yeah, and it's not bad. I'm just. No. I'm like hmm. I don't want to end up with a unified title in one champ because that ends up hurting the pro- we we saw what ends up happening. You get the same thing on both shows. Yes. There end 100% up being percent agree. There end up being three or four storylines that just go to both shows. And then we don't even see half of the roster anymore. A lot of them just get eliminated. And so I don't I don't think because we, why is Brock still confronting Roman? I guess maybe to continue that storyline because you were supposed to work on um, uh, you were supposed to work each other at day one. So we can't just completely drop it, even though WWE has been known to do that. So I guess it makes sense. Brock coming to confront Roman. I thought the opener was freaking fantastic. Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns saying, hey, don't you talk to Paul Heyman like that? it was really good. They're all saying, no, Brock is what the hell's going on here. Brock, I didn't know this Brock is the greatest Brock Lesnar of all time by far. From an acting, from a comedy, from just a, I didn't know he could do this. And more importantly, I didn't know he cared or wanted to do this. Wanted to do it. I never thought that this. Like I thought he liked just standing there in the corner, getting his paycheck. That's always been a common misconception with Brock with too. Him. That he's lazy. You know, that's a fair assessment. It is. Well, we don't, it's a, because we don't see him, but man, if you were someone that could get away with it, wouldn't you do the same thing? And it's, I I don't think he comes, he comes back looking completely different. Number one, every time. Okay. Something, something, but that opening on SmackDown between him, Roman and Paul Heyman, I don't just know how you get better. And then. And then Monday, does it again on, on Monday, he's doing the knock, knock, Bobby, who, and then people <laughs> are pulling up this old year. jobber from like 1993 WWF superstars named Bobby, who there's pictures of this guy, which is just like, oh my God, he's just dressed in a singlet. He looks like the jobber, jobber of all time. Dude. And just to stop you real quick. Now, do you see why it's hard for AEW to really, really, really compete with the WWE, despite WWE cutting people every week, it seems. They cut more, you know, it's just, it's, it, look, the matches on AEW, they've been fine. Their pay-per-views are fine. But these storylines are what capture people. That's why we watch television shows or streaming on Netflix or Paramount Plus or HBO. This is why the WWE is so damn good. Is when the star like this, man. Yeah, the star power of someone like Brock Lesnar or or like last year for a while when Cena comes back. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cena was so good on Pat McAfee show the other day, by the way. That was a great listen. 
and he's got the Peacemaker. We're recording yeah. Thursday. That show yeah. actually comes out today um, sure. on on HBO Max, which I'm definitely looking forward to. He's really funny in that role. And what I think AEW is very consistent for the most part. I think they have less lull, like less down or like lulls. Um, their floor maybe is a little bit higher than WWE's because WWE has a little bit more of content, so it's sort of harder to have like good of everything when you have so much. But the highs of like overall of the of the stories, like the Roman Brock Heyman stuff or the Roman Cena stuff or stuff that can kind of kind of branch into you know Continue public for a year, yeah, you know? public and kind of pop culture stuff. And um, this is a big like Brock is, and and so for as weird as it, it is, like what frustrates me about um. None of the acting, none of the performances from Roman, Paul, from Brock, they're all great. Seth, I mean, they're all doing a great job in Lashley and stuff. It's just some of the the way that they've been presented. Like, why not just have um you've got Adam Page and he's talking with Sonia and they're trying to figure out who. Why not just let us hear him? I know they wanted to do the surprise of that, but why sure. not ha- why not say, "Hey, I got it." I, I made a couple calls. I know this isn't like how we normally like to do something, but I yes. think this is going to yeah. give us like one of the best matches that we could get at the Rumble. It's someone that we know has a history with Roman. Let me tell you more about it. Go to commercial. Then we see Seth. Yeah, okay. because now all of a sudden we've had this KO, Rollins, Lashley, Big E deal, and we know the title has changed hands, right? And now – and now it was we weird. Know why and then Seth Rollins went over Big E on Raw. Clean, completely clean as a sheet. And <laughs> you and I will get. And I know we're bouncing all over the place, but it's fine. It's all involving the Rumble and moving forward. And I got to give you a lot of credit because you could feel that a long time before I could. The fact that Big could. E, you yeah. could sense it way before I could. You were on top of that probably a month or a month and a half before you were just feeling that it wasn't going the best. Something was off a little bit, and sure enough. They end up making the title change, and now, now, heck, the match was very good. So let's say this. I know people, I've heard people that were comparing what's going on with Big E to Kofi, and we can't do that because it's not close because Kofi got beat, crushed by Brock Lesnar, and then just was out of the, like, the main event picture, just, like, never wrestled for the title again, was, like, never in it. Big E... Immediately had another main event match on Raw And even last week He had another big match against Rollins The match was very good But he lost clean Sure I don't know If they're telling this Big E story Where you know They want to rehab him and stuff But Yeah that was weird Because he In a company that does a lot of schmozzy finishes All the time That was a weird one That they decided to not You know like they deliberately wanted to to make you know that they were going to have Seth get a clean win. And so if that's like, hey, Big E needs to, you know, have a couple losses and then struggle and then he ends up winning the Rumble or whatever it is, I don't know. But well, yeah, if he that ends was... up winning the Rumble, now we know. Right? Now we know. Now we know. Now we know. And I, I, you know, and we still got SmackDown to go through. I'm just bouncing because. No, it, and we are. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was so, wrestling was so fascinating for me over the weekend, even with the, the impact pay-per-view on Saturday. And I'll touch a little bit about that, but hell raw. I, when is the last time raw has started out with Hills winning the first three matches? And we'll get to that in just a second. I'm just saying the last couple of weeks have just been 
completely insane. You know, football season's coming to an end. I know we got a weird Monday night football wild card playoff game, you know, but the raw rating going up against Alabama and Georgia was pretty hot. It's like 1.6, it 1.7. Was very good. That, that's it was very relatively good. good. But SmackDown over the last couple of weeks, I've been down on, but that opening segment was great. Fantastic. Great. Fantastic. And then even even Seth coming in at the end and him and, him it and was Seth. Great. It was good. It it's was. great. We I just wish what we say with wrestling, with any TV or any form of entertainment, when we buy in. It's super easy to make us buy in. Just give us a little bit more. Just tell us exactly. Oh, hey, you know what? Got an idea. Yes. Yeah. You know what? I know this is, but it's WrestleMania season. I know we wanted to look for someone from SmackDown, but I think the best opponent for Roman is boom. And don't even say it. And then here comes Seth, and he's doing his cackle laugh. And now, now at le- you know, you and I had just talked about it. I think either last week or the week before. You Who said are- you think you like Seth to win the Rumble. Yeah, I thought Seth was winning the Rumble, and now the guy's not in it. And now we've got Charlotte Flair, who's the champion. She's winning. She's entering the Rumble. She probably wins it and faces Becky at, at WrestleMania. I don't know. It's just this is it's bizarre, but you know what? It's great conversation. I'm really excited. There's Me a too. lot of question marks now. So I'm I really think excited about what's going on. And I think this. So it looks like this year we're gonna have. Roman versus Seth at the Rumble, and we're going to have Lashley versus Lesnar. And then on the yes. women's side, you're going to have Becky versus Drew drop for the title, and then Charlotte's not going to defend her title. She's going to be in the Rumble. I actually think that moving forward now in years where if you're going to have multiple Rumbles and multiple champions, it's actually not a bad idea to have one of those champions go to in the Rumble, not win it, and then you can get a you can start a feud right there. You know, it's an easy way for someone to eliminate you and come after you. And then, for example, let's say um, whomever eliminates Charlotte, Charlotte gets pissed. She comes back in and throws them out. And Charlotte's got an easy feud, you know, with with whomever, you know, right there to WrestleMania. I actually don't think Charlotte's going to win. I think she's in there. You, Charlotte feud with someone for me. And, sh- and, and she's in there to last all the way to the final three or four to get everybody pissed off thinking she's going to win. Right. Okay. So. I think Charlotte, give me like Charlotte again, Bianca, Alexa, and then, you know, a surprise, one of the women that we don't know that's coming in. If there's, you know, I think them being again towards the end would be a blast because then you're, you're going, okay, it's probably going to be Charlotte. Bianca just won last year, uh, but I actually think it's going to be Alexa, uh, personally, myself. So. I sort of think that's where they go towards the end, and then maybe it's Alexa, and you can go Alexa Charlotte if you want to go that way. Who we, people we've been hearing rumors about a Ronda Rousey, maybe. I mean, if she well, shows if back, gonna, if you're going to bring Seth to to work Roman, um, there's no, you know, Alexa is quote unquote on Raw. Now answer me this because I cannot remember. Um, we know the women. We know there's 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 two nights again to WrestleMania. And we know whoever wins the men's Royal Rumble is going to main event one of those nights against whomever he decides to challenge. Is the women's match, is that the same gimmick that they main event to? I can't remember. I don't so know. they say main event. They don't, I don't think they mean main event match, main event. match, okay. but they mean a title match. So we know the title match. I just didn't know if yeah, on Saturday not- night or Sunday night. 
we're going to get the I women's match. I don't think it w- – I mean, we they did it last year with Bianca on the one of them. But okay. I don't think they've, like, made that for sure. Like, oh, hey, if you win the women's Rumble, that's going to be the main event of one of those two nights. I think they just say – if you win the Rumble, you're going to be in the main event of WrestleMania, you know, and then they'll end up doing that, like, oh, it's a double main event thing, or, you know, they open the show, or I it, I well, guess it depends talk, let, on who let, wins let, the Rumble, you know? Let's talk about the Women's Royal Rumble real quick. Yeah, let's go through the we, participants. We, we got a lot. Okay, we talked about uh, Shinsuke. Uh, Boogs got an opening win over Sami Zayn, and, of course, we talked about Knoxville uh, and, and Sami. Um, he throws him over the top rope after the match. And I did read a thing where Boogs talked about when he was hardcore dieting, he would eat cat food, like high-end cat food. He would mix it into his protein. I just thought that was Boogs. the most yeah, the most bizarre things. Okay, so I, I, I wrote them down in, in the order they announced. We have yeah. Rhea Ripley, Nikki A.S.H., Aaliyah, Natalia, Shayna Baszler, Summer Rae. Woo! Woo! Nobody Mina than Tamina, uh, the 24-7 <laughs> champion, Dana Brooke, Kelly Kelly, which is always great. Holla, holla, holla. <laughs> Naomi, Carmella, and Zelina, the uh, women's tag team champions. Michelle McCool, which is always good to come back. Yep. The Bella Twins are back. Bellas. We're getting Lita coming back. Uh, Charlotte has said she's entering. And of all people, the Impact Knockouts champion who beat Deanna Perrazzo again last Saturday night is entering the Royal Rumble. My question is to you is, do they recognize her? Does she bring the damn belt with her to the ring? So they mentioned it on on SmackDown. But they um, didn't on Raw. On Raw, they didn't. Yeah, so I'm curious. Because McAfee mentioned it. And they tweeted it from the Raw or from the WWE account, Impact Impact Women's Champion, uh, Mickey okay. James. Now, somebody has said, wow, that was more than AEW ever mentioned uh, <laughs> Impact <laughs> when they, Kenny Omega was the champ on their show for months. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> but uh, I, I think they'll mention it when she comes out. You know, I don't think they'll go crazy, but I... Like, Michael Cole does a pretty good job with those kind of things, you know, where he can just be like, Mickey yeah. James, longtime WWE, uh, you, know, uh, you know, she's she's been here, she's done it all. Mickey James is currently the Impact Women's Champion, and then probably just leave it at that. But as I, long as I she don't... comes out to hardcore country. <laughs> so we've got. A so that's 18 good... or 19 right there, right? And then we, you know. You know, you're going to get Alexa Bliss. You'll get Alexa Bliss. Ones that are worth mentioning would be, you know. Are we going to get Beth Phoenix, probably? Oh, Beth and maybe Maurice. um, Asuka and Bailey. you know, both of them have been injured for a while. They both could show back up here. Ronda is always worth mentioning. Um, And then probably two or three from NXT. That's what I was just going to say. Maybe a Raquel, a Dakota, possible um, EO, someone who we could see. Zia Lee, they didn't mention her yet, right? No, not yet. And she she had the cool the, she had sort of the cool gimmick stuff she's been doing on SmackDown. I could see her with a coming out with a with an intriguing entrance. Um, how about Wendy Chu sleeping in the rumble? <laughs> well, we're gonna talk about Wendy Chu in a second. She's gonna be sleeping in the rumble. She's gonna bring that pillow out. I love this Wendy Chu. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get to that in just a second. So that's on the women's side. On the men's side, Coop. 
while we're here talking, uh, they've, they've announced um, many fewer so far. Dawkins right. and Ford, uh, the Mysterios, Ray and Dominic, Austin Theory, Johnny Knoxville, Sheamus, Damian Priest, AJ Styles, and Big E. Right. Now, gosh, I don't, I mean, I don't think he's going to right now, but God, I'd love someone like AJ to win. That'd be so great. I, I don't yeah. think, he just doesn't yeah. feel like it's the moment for him right now. But, you know, of the people that have, have entered themselves, you could see Austin Theory having a big run. You could see, you know, Sheamus has won a Rumble before. It doesn't feel like it's his time. But you could see Damian Priest, AJ, or Biggie all being down towards the end. You know, Priest is yeah, someone. I, 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 yeah, I don't, think we're get, I don't think we're getting a Finn Balor. I would be shocked if he won the Royal Rumble. I no. would just be no, completely. He had his run. I, I think they, unfortunately, um, I, you know, kind of Big East. Unfortunately, I'm just not a big B biggie fan, but I could see them building him back up where he wins this damn thing. Is Goldberg in it? You know, he's got a match or two left. I don't know what. And then what? What's really weird about all this too is that the Saudi Arabia show is going to be an elimination chamber type. And I think they're going to yeah, and it's going to be in. So it's in February. It's like in between, and so that's where you wonder now because. The the Saudi Arabia shows have been a few of them have been just like really bad, like a glorified yes. house show. Yes. And then the last show they did was incredible. Was it had the set edge, the hell in a cell? It was literally one of the best pay per view event live events of the year that WWE's done. It was great. So I'm curious how they were going to treat this one moving forward. Um, as we continue to bounce all around, we uh, discussed. Uh, oh yeah, so Charlotte and Naomi had a little thing. I actually right. thought this was going to lead to to Naomi and Charlotte at the Rumble, and I was surprised sure. that it that it didn't. But it's kind of continuing on with that Naomi Sonia stuff, which is just she's can Naomi throw her out at the Rumble? Oh, Sonia, maybe Sonia's in. Maybe she enters herself in the women's Rumble, and you know sure. wants to. Um, I, I just I want I feel like by now Naomi should have gotten some comeuppance on her. Yeah, because this 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 match, which was thirteen or fourteen minutes in in, in its length, just dr- kept dragging because Sonya kept changing stuff, you know. And if the payoff is in the Rumble, her throwing Sonya out, I just don't know if that's a big enough payoff. I think a match has to be made between them for the payoff for for all of this. I don't mind that it's happening. It just seems like now we've beaten Naomi down because. I just mentioned who they've announced for the women, and Naomi's not one of them. So I assume Sonya is going to make Naomi try to jump hurdles and do all these things. Remember, Bianca had to do all these things, right? Uh, Remember, she had to jump these hurdles, literally, Mm -hmm. and do all these things. Uh, I I see Sonya doing that to Naomi to try to become a entrant into Into the the Rumble. Rumble. And if she does, she's number one or something like that. Just, just this has been a long, a long deal not to have a payoff yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, I gotta yeah. say, it, 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 it was bad. This segment, right? This segment was bad. But I will give credit to Madcap Moss because he goes all in with this stupid, stupid gimmick. And you know what? The guy's got a pretty damn good physique. You know. Yeah. He's in fantastic shape. In the ring last week, he was 
in day one match against Drew, he was better, you know, he was better than people would want to give him credit for. <laughs> and his his accent was so bad and good at the same time. He's like, and then he does the did you realize it was me? It was me all along, guys. I it wasn't true. It was me. You know, it's so bad. It just is so bad. But I, I give the guy some credit for like this is just one McAfee, McAfee actually said, and I quote, this segment just lost two million viewers. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. It was and then they they end up beating the uh the Viking Raiders oh, Viking there. Raiders. Okay, which this leads to we had a pretty damn good main event here, right? The Usos mm-hmm. and the New Day. Yep. This ends it, right? This is it. The 20-minute match, it ends it. So we have a great match to end it. We know how SmackDown ended with Seth coming out. So here is my question to you. Who is left for the Usos to defend the titles against? We got Sheamus and Holland. Holland has a broken nose. We have uh the Viking Raiders who earlier in the night lost, right? To Madcap uh, Moss yeah. and Corbin. Who I guess now could be, or we have Los Lotharios or somebody else I'm missing. I went to the SmackDown roster just for this question. Who do the, what are the Usos? Where do they go from here now? I mean Nakamura and Boogs? If Nakamura that, is not not hurt, but back. he's the I IC champ, that. like get let's get the belt off of him. Like, where I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I looked at the roster. And the, Ricochet, yeah. you know, he's been gone again for a few weeks. Let's get Ricochet on a in a tag team. You know what I mean? If you're not going to use him, like, like have him. There's there really shouldn't be many weeks when Ricochet isn't wrestling on TV. No matter who you want to put him against, I'm not saying he has to win, but he should be out there almost all the time because Ricochet is the type of guy when someone's flipping the channels, they see him do something and they go, oh, wow. And they stop and they keep watching. Like, that's well, the kind hell, of I was getting into Garza and Umberto, this Los Lotharios gimmick, right? So I start getting into it. Where and now they're gone. Now they're I'm gone. I'm sorry. I don't watch main event. I, I don't want no, and and, and I, I just it's don't. like or to we, we say live. I just don't we say the same and here's why we're consistent. We say the same exact thing with AEW with the, with dark and elevation. We don't what's going on on main event for WWE or some of their non televised yeah, shows. Not gonna do it. You that doesn't matter. You can't expect that everybody's following all that stuff all all the way through. And so they got to do. I know like Usos and New Day. Awesome every time they go out there but we see it So much and when we saw it a month Ago it felt cool and then since that month We've seen it three more times you know Um yeah so I agree with you in that Smackdown was Really really hot for a while it feels like It's cooled off a little bit there are More it's it's more of a Roller coaster in that there are more downs Than there were before the ups and the highs are Still pretty high as uh We move on over to Raw and we got Lesnar right off the bat with Heyman and Lashley and MVP. And we talked a little bit about this exchange. <laughs> Brock doing the knock-knock jokes. They're both dressed all fly. And I thought this was cool because, you know, we generally think of both of these guys as guys who have a mouthpiece. You know, MVPs with Lashley. Heyman's always with Brock. We don't think about them as cutting great promos and stuff. But they didn't need the the managers here, you know, they no. got their point across plenty well with these two. Yeah, I I thought Brock with the, uh, you know, 
you know, your MA, your MMA career, you were just a Brock Lesnar wanted want to be. And I know WWE, the universe would not have understood Brock saying you went to Bellator MMA, you know, and couldn't even win their world title. And I, you know, I'm the UFC world champion, you know, blah, blah, this. I, I just thought it was a, a great conversation and it's a good build, build piece uh, for the Rumble. I, I, I think, uh, you know, here again, um, it's not too far away, but let's 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 keep these two separated, right? Let let's. I don't think you have to worry about Brock having a Monday Night Raw match. No, and that's good, and that's good. That's what we want. Um, I don't want to see. I, I don't want to see these two guys get into it until the. Royal I don't want to see. Can, will they or won't they coexist? Brock <laughs> and Lashley on a tag <laughs> team, you know, versus Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash. I don't want to see that, you know, as uh. I was, I gotta say, I was pretty shocked that Alpha Academy got the win over sure. over RK Bro. I mean, we could sense it. It's always, we had our, always for a while picked out the Royal Rumble as the time when you, you felt like these two would have a perfect opportunity to break up because one can eliminate the other and then they can start a feud uh, on the way to Mania. It just didn't feel like this, I don't know, I, I guess I thought maybe they'd lose at the Rumble and then they'd enter the match or something, but... I'm not I'm not mad that Alpha Academy won and they've been getting more time recently. You could tell that they they've liked them. They just haven't really stacked a lot of wins for them and it's not that hard to do. Just have them win two or three matches in a row and and then you know they they can you know they can cheat to to do what they have to do and win, but we have new Raw Tag Team Champions. It's Alpha Academy. I loved it. I just I'm with you. I don't like the way it's been presented. Uh, we saw the singles um, you know, before I think this match, right after the the Lashley Lesnar opener, we had a little backstage argument with with Riddle and Orton. Um, we could sense it coming. Did not think it would happen on Raw, but you know what? I'm for it. I like change. Um, I, I, I'm digging this new uh this new version of Alpha Academy. I like this new Otis, and now we can go Riddle Orton and build it to the Rumble. I like it. We got a little six-man tagger after Priest and the Street Profits versus the Dirty Dogs. Dirty and the, Dogs! And Apollo Crews and the Dirty Dogs and Apollo. This was, this was just weird to me. This me too. Was just, it was a little flat. Don't have a problem with the match. And again, um, I, I just... I don't know why I don't know why the Dirty Dogs and Apollo needed to win over Damian Priest and the Street Profits. The Street just, Profits are one of your better tag team. Like you were just asking, hot, they just came off a hot match. And it's like I know they're on Raw. If we could, and we've been doing this with a few people on Raw, trying to get them over to SmackDown. But it's like they would be a great team for the Usos right now. Sure. They'd be a great team to face the Usos. Yet they're losing, and Damian Priest. I don't know. I don't. I don't like him being on the losing side right now. All that often like he doesn't get pinned You you treat him like a star I don't right. like seeing him like, Losing in these six man tags But the Dirty Dogs And uh, Aziz and Cruz Stand tall uh, We got the Oh the Rollins Big E Stuff here yeah. and um, yeah. I mean it was it was very good The match was very 18 good minute match, man. 18 They went minutes. long it ended up being clean, and both of them before the match had a little back and forth on the mic, and it was good. I'm I'm just surprised they had Seth win this match clean, completely clean. Yeah. Big E was pinned um, after the curb stomp, and you know 
as I said, he's addressing the losses. It's not as if he's acting like they didn't happen and being sort of just right back to power of positivity stuff. So maybe this is all part of his character because so far of everybody announced in the Rumble, if I had to put my money on one person, it'd be Big E. Uh, It sure seems like it, right? And but but again, we don't. What makes it hard, Chad, is that, and I've said this to you on the show and then off the show too. If Lesnar or Reigns, if they're not in the Rumble, I'm going to feel a lot better about it. I don't want one of those two guys to lose their title match and then show up in the Royal Rumble and win the Royal Rumble. That feels like it's a waste to me. Okay. Um. Now, what I could see happening at the Rumble is, I could see, you know. Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins having a match and Brock Lesnar coming out to cheat Roman out of the match and Seth end up winning that and then Roman goes and faces Brock for the other title I could see the opposite thing happening I could see Roman screwing Brock out of the title Lashley winning and then Lashley going on with the other I if if that were to happen and Roman and Brock face at Mania for one of the titles that would be my preferred destination. I got you. I, then okay. having them both a champion, champion versus champion match there, because I don't know. It feels to me like then if that if that happens, then that means one of them probably won the rumble. Well, then is the you, rumble you, a waste? You, or you you threw that? That's true. The good thing is it's not a money in the briefcase match, right? No, so, no. But you you did throw in a pretty good wrinkle with this Saudi Arabian show, which we're now hearing that could. Possibly be elimination chamber match at that show. Yep, which, you're right. Well, who knows what could happen there? Yeah, you're who right. Knows? And this is you know? this is different than um you know in watching old Royal Rumbles, you would know that 1995 or 1996. If you won the Rumble, you were going to be facing the champion at, at WrestleMania. And right. coming out of the Royal Rumble, you would know this guy's the champ. This guy's the one facing him. Here's where we're going in three or four months. Nowadays. They can change that anytime they want. Sure. They have, like you said, the Saudi Arabia show. They've got Raws and SmackDowns. If they want someone to be the champ or if they want something flipped, it doesn't have to be in the Rumble. But um, I'm such a Rumble. Like, I love it so much that I, I just oh, don't me like too. I mean, I mean, Yes. I, I don't like it when it feels like it's so obvious or like a waste. It's like, oh, Brock won. Yeah, Brock can win and get a title match anytime. He doesn't need it. Um, same thing with Roman. So. I'm curious so with that. So, do you do you think Roman versus Seth or Brock Lashley headlines Royal Rumble as opposed to the Royal Rumble match? Of those three, what's the main event that night? I think w- one of the Rumbles will be the main event. I do think that of the men's matches, Lash, you're going to have Brock and Lashley go on the later. I think Roman will end up. Beating Seth and then cheats And then like cheats Brock out of it and then we end up getting Brock versus Roman back on Smackdown Like we were like we kind of thought we were A few a little while ago And the, t- okay. the title gets to Lashley um, Although like if that happens It's like why why did Brock need to win the title right. Why didn't you just so, have Lashley So do you think win? we have a title match at the main At Rumble or do we have the actual Men's Royal Rumble I match? think the men's Rumble will probably be one of the Rumbles they, They've they had be the main event so I think It'll okay. probably be the men's and I mean if Like if Ronda or someone crazy Is coming back then maybe the women's is the main event yeah. You know because and, there's and, not I don't, I, I don't know of very many Matches we're going to get on this Card so we got Men's and women's Rumble 
We're going to get Brock, Lashley, Becky, Dewdrop, Roman, Seth, and Edge and Beth versus Miz and Maurice. That's probably that, no, and that is it. Pre-show match. Maybe That's it. Usos defend their titles yeah. against someone. The tag Maybe matches. Alpha Academy defend yeah, their we titles. could get. Maybe them, them two work each other on pre-show. I don't no, know. Yeah, but that's probably it because two that's rumbles it. takes up a. Those time. those are 45, 60 minute matches, man. Mm-hmm. With the entrances, with the the ten minutes before, so those yeah. those end up taking a lot of time. And you're going to have two men's title matches And one women's title match We already know like your US champ Damian Priest Is in, in the Rumble I'm sure Nakamura if he's healthy he'll be in the mix In there too So you know Omos is going to be in it They're building have him his, up now You know, he have beat a big AJ spot. last week Yeah he, he beat a jobber What do you think of by god Nikki Almost a superhero What are you doing What do you think about her turning I'm glad they, tur- I'm glad they broke up hmm? this, this segment was awful it was. His segment was like cringy bad. It's like, really I'll bad. I'll still shake your hand. Rhea goes, I'll still shake your hand. I'm a good sport. I just always thought Rhea should be the one that's the heel in this. Me too. In, but I guess they were superheroes don't need friends. You know, it's, fu- it's funny because they're saying, I don't know if you watch this show on uh, Amazon Prime. It's called The Boys. And, um, I do not. There, there's, a, there's a superhero on the show named Homelander. And he's basically like, the superhero in that world that would be like Captain America or Superman. He can fly. He can do like everything. He's the one that everyone thinks is the really good guy. He's smiling, big blonde hair, everyone. But the guy is is like a, a horrible person. And that's what's great about the show <laughs> The Boys is that behind the scenes, he's like screwing around with all these women. He does drugs. He does this. He does that. He murders people. He's all about himself. He's all about money, selling all this merchandise for Homelander and stuff. And that's what people are kind of saying Nikki is now. She's going to be this, like, she thinks she's, like, good person, but she's this really bad guy. That's actually who people have said Cody Cody Rhodes is. Is, sure, you know, sure. he thinks he's a superhero, but he's really a villain, <laughs> you know? And he, like... He tries. It's it's a great show for, for those of you who are out there who haven't watched um, the boys. I think it's coming back for season three soon. But that's what we get here. I if Nikki can kind of be my, I, I liked the Nikki crazy cross. Oh like, yes, Nikki 100%. cross sanity. Loved it. Loved it. If she goes nuts again, then I'm 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 for it. And if this just gets these two like away from each other, and we end up getting. Rhea back pushed up the card Then then at least That's what we're going to get because This whole last run with Rhea it's been about a year now it hasn't Been yeah. good ever, ever since, since the, the rumble the, the, Well if she was go- second in the rumble with Bianca her and Bianca had that awesome back And forth in the rumble and then What you know remember what it was, it was Her and Asuka didn't have that much chemistry Together well let's go back before That Tampa Bay Wrestlemania this is her. She goes there and it gets canceled, right? Or something happens. Yep. At, right before Mania. And it's just since then, she's just been terrible on the main roster, especially with having to do promos. Yeah. It doesn't and this connect. This was brutal to watch. doesn't connect. It's no. like her having to be someone that she's not. And maybe she'll be able to come out next week. That's right. And I- it was supposed to be at Raymond James Stadium and they ended up doing it. In the performance center That's with right. no fans, right? You're right. Days. And th- they had all these promos with her. She's coming home. This is, you know, where she trained. This is it. And blah, blah, this. Uh, you know, it's just hopefully this is the end of it. 
hopefully this is the end, but I'm sure Nikki will eliminate her in the Royal Rumble. We'll probably get that finish. If she can get back to just having a like, hey, look, I was going to be nice for a while. I liked like I like Nikki. You know, she was my friend. But if this is what happens when I let my guard down, I'm not going to be that. I'm going to go back to being badass again. You know, like give me something yeah. like that and like show a little bit more attitude with her because just feels like she's floundering right now. I agree. She's so good. And she she needs to be doing a little bit more. Uh, Reggie's eating a cheesesteak backstage, uh, a little Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> Here in uh, Omos versus Nick Sanders, and I think we're gonna get Omos versus Reggie next week. Oh is, God, I think is so. That, is that right? We got this I job. So. so hey, you know what? If Omos isn't ready yet, they did this with Braun. They did it this with Nia. They did it with Ryback. I'm fine with the jobber squashes for a while. I yeah. actually, I, you know what? They, that's fine. Like, I'd prefer these than him beating guys like AJ Styles right now. Yes. Yes. Because that doesn't do good for AJ. Because we all watch and we know what they're doing. We all know, yeah, Omos is the bigger guy. He's, he's young. He's green. But and guys like AJ or Riddle and stuff, they shouldn't be losing to Omos. They, they just... They shouldn't. So this is fine. Like, let him squash some people. Let him build up. And uh, we got the cutting edge. This is this was kind of funny because it was, especially when Maurice left and Miz didn't know she was gone. That was great. <laughs> that was great. And Edge and I know some people are like uncomfortable. I actually get a kick out of Edge and Beth because you can tell they are dorks, and you can yes. tell they just yeah. love each other. Yeah. Both both of these couples, you can tell, really get a kick out of the other. You know, they play into everything. Maurice, even with Miz, like the looks they give each other. And, you know, like you said, she just turns around and walks away. Edge is, you know, my wife can can deadlift a Buick, you know, and she's got thighs <laughs> like, you know, and he's smacking her on the butt and kissing her. And Beth's like, are you trying to get lucky today, later on tonight? You, you know, it's kind of like somebody said, it's like when your parents are flirting a little bit, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah. this is kind of, but it's, <laughs> it's sort of like, it's, it's kind of in a weird way, like cute, you know, like it's just, I, I had no problem with it. I kind of enjoyed it. And I'm glad that we're going to, there's no way it feels like this is going to be something that could extend to WrestleMania. So get this at Rumble. It'll be fun. Let these guys get in the Rumble. And then we'll find out, like, what's next for Edge. Edge could have a sure. lot of really fun competitors moving forward at the Rumble. And Edge is always someone, like, we don't, we don't discuss. But, you know, I don't know if he could win the Rumble again. But he might be someone that they could very easily put into a title match to make it feel a little bit bigger. Sort of Absolutely. like what they did with Daniel yes. Bryan, you know, yes. you put Edge uh-huh. into a match with Biggie and Lashley or whatever, you know, whatever the title match is, and maybe it feels a little bit bigger. Maybe, maybe we have something, you know, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. If what I was thinking about happening at the Royal Rumble happens backwards, maybe Seth does win, and then you've got some way you can get back to Seth and Edge for a title match. Could be. You Would know, you that- be okay with Edge and Brock Lesnar? Or is that I, a, there's just no I, way he can beat Brock Lesnar type. I mean, that would be, I would love that. That would be great. I think it would be really good. Um, I don't see him winning the Royal me, Rumble. Me neither. In a role. Me neither. Like that feels but, like that could be a match at SummerSlam. Sure. Edge versus Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Like a, a SummerSlam kind of main event. Um, yeah, I agree with you though. I don't think they'll have anybody win the Rumble back to back, but it, he'll, he wouldn't surprise me if he's around towards the end also. You oh know, yeah. Final four. A hell of a run. 
Yeah, good yeah. run. So we got uh, AJ versus Austin Theory. AJ wins by DQ after the match, uh, towards the end of the match, because Grayson Waller comes out and uh, attacks, and they take their selfies here. But we know Austin Theory is going to be in the Rumble, and we saw more with Grayson and AJ the next night. So I, I actually like. Th- I think this is a pretty good role use of AJ here, like. Putting him with some of the young guys Don't let him just get beat He didn't, Austin Theory didn't beat him or anything To make AJ look like a chump But hell of a lot more people know who Grayson Waller is right now Probably because of that AJ Styles match Well, the Timex Social Club once had this song I think it was in the 80s The song was Rumors And the rumor is that uh, you're going to see a lot more of this There's a lot of change I'm hearing now there was some change again Up at the top in NXT Um, And a lot of that stuff is going to have to go through Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon. So you could see this type of stuff happening on NXT and vice versa. And I'm all for it because it made you tune in to NXT to see AJ and Grayson main event, which was a pretty good match. Uh, The ratings improved somewhat, and we got to see the return of LA Knight. But I think we're going to see more of this as long as we don't see a lot of goofy stuff happening with this. As long as we get some good matches out of it, like we did with AJ and Grayson, 100% behind it. We got a triple threat number one contenders women's match. Before you talk about that, are we okay with the evil bliss Alexa coming back? Because we got that promo of her tearing up the therapist's office. So I guess we get Evil Bliss back. Are we okay so with this? If she's not magical evil, like if, if she's just crazy, like a crazy person, and she's d- going ballistic and doing crazy stuff, and like, I'm okay with it. I don't, I didn't, I don't like the magical, like turning stuff on and off, like she's in the, an, the exorcist. damn doll. She's like an exorcist, you know, with Bray Wyatt fiend powers. Like, no, we don't need to do that anymore. If she's just a crazy person, cool. I'm fine with sure. Because she's trying to play the like Harley Quinn. She's always yeah. kind of like that. If that's yeah. what she's going with, fine. As soon sure. as she starts sitting down in the ring and the doll comes back out, I'm. I'm <laughs> if if Lily pops up in the Royal Rumble and We're eliminates Alexa, <laughs> you know what I mean. Charlotte comes out and she's got Lily and like a sock puppet on her hand, and she's I'm like, gonna "Hey, block, no. I'm gonna text you and then block your number." <laughs> I know. <laughs> Damn you. Oh, that's great. So, but you know what? The main event, the triple threat, do drop Liv and Bianca. Um, I thought it was a fun match. I thought it and was it make, it makes sense. But it makes sense. Now we get to have Becky cannot be a heel anymore. They love her too much. The promo before this match, man, the live stuff. I think that's what hurt Liv a little bit. Yep. Everyone loves Becky, and I think her and Dewdrop could have a good little program here. And you know what? Do- the Rumble. And I liked how it Dewdrop kind of did, you know, and after Becky was sort of acting like, Hey, look, I helped you, you know, and Dewdrop looked at her and was like you have no clue what you just did. You yeah. know, yeah. she acted really tough, and Dewdrop was like, hey, "I'm not gonna. What do you? What? What do you? Th- I'm gonna lay down for you? No, I just got out of doing this crap with Eva Marie. No way. I, I thought that was great. <laughs> and you can have the Rumble is always a place like this to give somebody a shot. If you look throughout history, there are a lot of matches where, okay, I don't think anybody thinks Dewdrop's gonna win this match, right? There are a lot of title matches like that at the Rumble. And it's not a bad thing. It gives Dewdrop an opportunity for them to see what she can do. She's really good in the ring. And she's got – what's nice is she is 
unique with her look and her accent and her ability. If you are her size, you're not usually nimble. You're not usually quick on your feet. You're she is and it's this is a comparison because of the like their body type and stuff, but she just the way she wrestles and stuff reminds me a lot of Kevin Owens. You know, sure. she yes. she she uses yeah. her body and her weight as an advantage. It's Let's not just like get rid of the damn dewdrop name. I know. It's not like a like oh she's big and slow. It's like oh wow she does the cannonballs and she'll like you know she'll really use it to um to her advantage. And so I I've always been a really big fan of her in the ring. I think she's great. She's a big presence and she's got a different look than most. And she showed us she can do a little baby face and now she's kind of doing the heel thing too. So shout out to Dewdrop. Um, that's the biggest moment of her life. I, I mean, it's in like a really small sense. I actually always love thinking about like she was standing tall in the main event of Monday night raw at the end of the show with 2 million people watching you. On Monday, like that's a big deal for someone that's a really like her. Big deal. That's I mean, a really for any for any person. But when you stop and think about it like that, this is someone who was on NXT UK not long ago. She was very good in the indies, and she she's always she's traveled the world, but she's never been in a spot like that on national TV like that. And that's really cool. I I love when people get the opportunity like that. So shout out for her um, for. You know, on the other, at the same time, it's the college football national championship game. Yeah. And somebody flips the channel on Monday Night Raw, and she's she's there standing tall. That's great. So um, she's going to be facing Becky for the women's championship, uh, for the Raw women's championship at the Royal Rumble. She actually blocked Becky's attempt at a manhandle slam, and Becky kind of scaredly ran off. Becky's costumes and stuff are just great though the stuff she that she's is such a I, i'm sorry man that's why they had to she's a star yeah i know people wanted bianca and maybe live again but oh my god this is a way to immediately get her back to 100 face she can still be the b word right but oh my god she has just from man that from steampunk becky to goofy becky we've talked about this she is a uh she's Man, I, there's Brock Lesnar on Monday Night Raw, and uh, Seth freaking Rollins, her husband, is, is is pretty darn big. But I tell you what, man, Becky Lynch is uh, she's she's the she is the man. Yeah, her like there and that again. It's just the 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 level of star that she and like Charlotte sort of feel like, you know. And that's the compared to everybody else, they are just head and shoulders above them. Sasha's becoming a big star too. Sasha actually worth mentioning. She got hurt, so yeah. She's yeah, going to be out, I think they said, six to eight weeks. And that takes her out of the Rumble. She was in the opening of the uh, college football playoff. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I, and I thought that was pr- pretty cool. But she uh, was man, on the red carpet. Just been, her career has just been – And I'm a ma- I know a lot of people don't like her. I do. I, I, I love I her. I like the balls. Me too. I, I like the balls. Yeah. I love – she's got it. She's another one where – She does, man. That Whatever she it does. is, she's got it. She's a star. Yeah, she, does. she just – She's someone that can absolutely cross over. We've seen her on the red carpet. She's already been in the Star Wars stuff with the Mandalorian. She was at the Spider-Man premiere. Shout out Sasha Banks as we head on over to NXT 2.0 and we're going to uh Champa and Breaker. So we get we get Breaker opening things up and he gets to kind of cut his, you know, I'm the champ now promo. He actually made uh talks about his father 
and it's kind of the first time that he even mentioned it and fans are barking it up there (laughs) as a breaker so as he leaves santos escobar comes down and then santos escobar ends up having a match with zion quinn where electra she ends up turning or kind of picking to go with the with the santos escobar side the way that santos and braun interacted when they came out it almost looked like Maybe we get a match there coming up soon. It's, it yes. feels like Santos could be like a good guy for Braun to beat along. You know, you got to stack some wins when you're the new champ. You do. Yeah, he, he needs to be on next week. and needs to work someone decent. Um, but we, we kind of had the look off there with, uh, with Santos, which I would think would be a good – look, I'm a massive Santos Escobar fan. I think that guy needs to be on the main roster – um, I know a lot of people would disagree because they want him to stay on NXT and have good matches, but I just think this guy is a star. And I thought that was an interesting match with Zion Quinn because they threw us a little curveball there. Um, uh, you know, I thought for sure that she would would turn on Escobar, but no, it kind of goes the other way. Uh, Escobar with uh with the win over Zion, I thought it was a pretty good match. Me too. Yeah. Uh, so Santos gets the win And we've always been big fans of his yeah. I like him He's got a presence, he's got a look He doesn't feel like a cruiserweight either Because he's big, he's thick They have a good presentation with this group So Santos Escobar Perhaps will be uh, In the mix with Braun Breaker In the coming weeks Our boy Tony D Tony he D was Cutting All a promo I was the mouthpiece. I he, had a, I he had a Talking about the I think there are 16 ways to use a crowbar, but you know how many ways I'm going to have to use? I think maybe three. All I wanted was a little mouthpiece, a souvenir for war games. But tonight, like his dog, Dunn will learn that Tony D is in charge. So we got Tony D cutting a promo. We got Tony D getting the win in the crowbar on a pole match. He just straight struck this dude. <laughs> like at the end, like right in the the jugulars. I always thought, because look, being from the southern part of the United States, I saw all kind of gimmicky matches growing up. There were a a lot of something on a pole match, Judy Bagwell, especially in mid south. I had we saw like strap on a pole. Um, uh, the 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 one was my favorite was DiBiase and Hacksaw Duggan, the coal miner's glove. Coal miner's glove. I always thought, always thought the first person who got it and used it on the person was the winner. Me too. One, two, three. This no. one, they just, they just beat the hell out of each other. This was so crowbar. Hilarious about the gimmick is that it's like, so why don't we just have it be in the mat? It, so there's no point of the the on a pole because then once you get it, we can both use it. So let's just give everybody crowbars to start, and let's just crowbar crowbar baseball here, you know, to start. But um, this. I mean, this was what needed to happen. Like, Tony D needs the win. And Dunn and Ciampa have both been working matches on main event and yeah. picking up wins. Yeah. Do you think we see either one of them in the Rumble, both of them in the Rumble, and perhaps either or both of them up on the main roster? Yeah. I mean, you should. Uh, right? I, I think so? I, I, I don't know what the... 
what the system is, but usually when you're when you're working main event or some two oh five live stuff, usually your next step up mm-hmm. is is SmackDown or Raw. And I would not uh I would not be surprised because they feel those two as if they are the older on in a, on this new NXT uh 2.0. The older mm-hmm. veterans. So while we're talking about them, while we're talking about rumble possibilities, what about Johnny Gargano? We haven't seen him for a few weeks. Man, yeah. We don't know if he's going to show up at AEW. We don't know if he's going to show up in WWE. Um, you know, he he did mention uh, he was been cutting promos and talking about NXT a little bit, or not promos and some like, interviews and stuff. He talked about how he really liked Braun Breaker quite a bit. Talked about how NXT just felt like you know they needed some change, and he went he was discussing his character and stuff. I that made me sort of think like he's. If I had to pick, I would think that he's going to be in WWE versus AEW. That's that's really? just me. Um, okay. I, I don't know why I've got that feeling sort of all along. Um, so I think he'd get a really big prop uh, pop if uh, Rebel Heart played at the Rumble. Sure, I, I agree. I, I, I'm a huge Johnny G fan. Um, I, I I thought that Cole was probably gone. Um, I'm fifty fifty here. Um, you know, like I said, they they they're if not already, I don't know when she, you know when she's due. His wife, but mm-hmm. I, I would think uh, there's going to be a couple surprises. Uh, we've got Johnny Knoxville in. I, I would think there's going to be at least one or two old timers who could still go. Remember, we've seen Hillbilly Jim come in. I don't think Hulk's going to be in with some of his recent no, comments. No, I, I think that's it for the for yeah. Hulk for a while. I was going to say Hulk. He, uh... he's made... Hulk, Hulk is, uh, he's been memed again this week. Oh Hulk my Bella. goodness, poor Hulk um, out there. It's like no, he, Hulk, you got to leave and... Betty White out of your mouth. Just don't, <laughs> don't t- touch her. <laughs> She's like a national treasure. As soon as you start talking about Betty White in any way, shape, or form, you're in trouble. You know, <laughs> him, him and him and Titus will not be hosting. Russell no, <laughs> no, they won't this, this year. year. No, this definitely year. not. Man, I would love it. I would love to see Johnny G. I, I still think he fits in NXT 2.0. Me too. Uh, but he just, I, you can use him anywhere. He yeah, he's a Miz type guy. He, I, I just love the he's guy. He, he's funny. He's in and out of the ring. Yeah, great personality too. You can put him in a tag. You can put him in a, as an underdog. He can be an IC champ kind of guy that works tough and do, you know, open challenges. I would, I would love that. And, uh, yeah, I, I got a great, as someone who's a fan of Cameron Grimes, I came out of this show feeling really good about him. Yes. You know, you could tell they sort of like, okay, it's going to be go time with him. We got a nice little squash for Cameron Grimes. We got a little promo. We talked about what happened last year over the last few weeks and going forward. Hey, I'm coming after you, Carmelo. So I I like, I I mean, we're we're Grimes fans. And I think I feel good about Grimes as he, he should be in this new NXT he should be one of your top baby faces. Yeah, I, I was very concerned after the million dollar belt stuff. Uh, I was concerned with LA Knight too. Where has LA Knight been? Because he's been doing these fantastic promos. And hell, lo and behold, uh, both have pretty good roles here. And it looks like uh, LA Knight is back to stay for a while. I love LA Knight. Just love LA Knight too. I do too man. So good on the mic. Like he just, when he speaks, you just listen. God, you he fits listen. on the main roster, right? He does. Now. I mean, I would love him to show up at <sighs> the the Rumble. I don't. I mean, again, we're, we're we're putting, but for the men, they haven't 
announced a lot. So there may be no. a lot of these these guys Could that be. we're talking about showing up in there. Sure. Um, they they needed a way to find uh, to get Gacy and Harlan to lose, but not get pinned. <laughs> so they have right. them like, lose by DQ here. Uh, Malik Blade and Edris Sanofe end up getting the win, and they move along in the Dusty Cup. So what have you thought about this whole uh, Harlan Gacy gimmick? I like it. I just don't know if it's been presented well enough for people to love to hate it, if you know what I mean. I, I like I, Gacy. I like what he's doing. I think this is the perfect time to do it. I would have not put them in this match to put over um, Malik Blade and Edris Anofi. I just wouldn't have done it. I would have done something else. I would have let Harlan be his... I'm not saying Gacy goes straight after Braun Breaker, but I just say, you know, Gacy just starts picking off some of these baby faces. I, I would have liked that. So we'll see where this ends up. I just didn't like, I don't like the way they've, they've put him in this position because when you think about Joe Gacy, you think about a loser. He's already lost to Tommaso, and now he's in this match, and DQ, and these two guys that really no one really, Malik Blade and Edris Anofi. Anofi had a great, uh, vignette a couple of weeks ago Then he lost, Then he's been losing And now I know. they move on in this tag match You don't know anything about Eh uh, It was okay uh, it, it, I, I, I want Gacy and Harlan to work Because I think it can It's just it's not being presented uh, Very well right now for me <laughs> We got the uh, The little vignette from Mandy Rose Talking about Oh my Ooh. gosh at the pool Ooh. Holy cow Wow, and in her you photo see her, shoot. her Instagram post, and she's yeah. like, I haven't been working out much, but still look how good my body looks. Yes, Mandy, it looks yes. fine. Yes, You're, it does. I, she, the girls are like, we, we're ghosting all these guys, you know, that's what they said. <laughs> but I actually like Gigi a little bit, too. I think she's kind oh, of sexy. Do. And yeah. uh, so they've got a little vignette about them and how they're badass. Before we got the six women's tag, Wendy Chu. Indy Hartwell and Persia. So Wendy Chu comes out. She's in her pajamas. She's got a body pillow with her. She's like falling asleep all the time. But then she gets in the ring and Wendy Chu can go. This is, (laughs) you know, so I don't mind the goofy gimmicks like an Orange Cassidy when they can turn it on and go. Like if you can't go at all, then the then there's like a shelf life. With some of these because you know, As soon as they have to start wrestling they can't But when, when they can actually wrestle Like they can have some fun With this thing I, you know like Yeah because you, yeah, the, go ahead. a perfect example Would be we didn't did we see the Stratton Gal at all this week No, no I don't think we did No, and, You know her first match was very was not good. Very lackluster Yeah so it was not great that could be something that could be shelved for a little bit so very good point Wendy Chu can go She can go She can go Wendy, Indy, and Persia pick up the win, and like Persia and Indy are looking over at her all weird. And what is going on here? <laughs> Barrett is going nuts. Oh my god, what is god, this? Wendy Chew. Oh my god. As uh we got a uh, Boa versus Solo Sokoa in a double okay. count out here. Before you go to this match, I there's something I want to bring up. Uh and that could be out of order. So if I am telling No, you, go ahead. Say no. To say no, uh, Coop, you're not the host of the show. Okay, so we get MSK in the back. Uh, they're with the Dusty Cup. We get 
Dakota Kai, which I love. I'm I'm a huge mark for her. And she says something that's very interesting and says, nothing divides friendship more than success. And she and, and she kind of drink she kind of looked at the trophy a little bit and kind of looked at them. So I assume we're going to have a women's Dusty Cup classic, don't you think? I think we're gonna get one in February. Okay. In like a so, month. I think I was reading. So yeah. So So I don't see MSK breaking up. So where I'm going with this, what about her and Raquel team up and win this Dusty Cup or they're just back together somewhat. I don't know. I, There's I just, something. I, just, I thought that was. She's not was gone. There. No, no, no. She's no, not she's gone. Not. No. She's definitely. I no. agree with you. She's going to bring in some partner or something. There's going to be more to that. I like that. Um, I, I like that little segment. I agree. Hey, I agree. hey, who, who, was it you? Because you're making all this money. You live in this gated community. Okay. You've got all the, you've got all these gardeners that are all the time. That's true. You've probably got a brand new, uh, it's probably not even glass. It's probably these steel frames that's got like five ring cameras on it. Was it you that paid Von Wagner's fine and lifted his suspension in one it night? It was me. I am. I knew it. <laughs> money, money. I've got it all over my the place. Name, I knew it was you. I knew it's it was me. You. I just thought that was odd. At the beginning of the show, he's been fined and suspended indefinitely. And at the end of the show, well, somebody somebody has paid Von Wagner's fine and his suspension's lifted. I said, damn, Gino's racking in the money. Yep, me and it's uh Robbie Gino is what they That's call it. Robbie Gino. Robbie, Robbie Gino, G. Robbie Stonebrand. I knew. The, uh, I just thought that was odd that they just mentioned that too. I know. You know. In passing, they were trying to throw they're they're throwing a lot of stuff on these NXT shows too right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they we're are. going through a, a lot of it, Yeah, it felt AEW-ish to me. It did. It no, did. you're right. It's just a lot of stuff. And we got the Cormelo Hayes Trick Williams talking uh, in the ring a little bit We also saw as I mentioned before um, After at the end of the show We saw Carmelo avo- um, Carmelo uh, standing out in the parking lot With with uh, Grimes Who said you know I'm 2022 I'm coming after that title and I'm gonna go To the moon <laughs> So uh, That was you know I like Carmelo Tra- like, he's, gro- he's grown on me a little bit more He's still like Comes off like a young guy who's still green, yeah. but he's he's very yeah. good in the ring. Sure. And then we got the main event: AJ Styles, Grayson Waller. What'd you think of the uh, the main event? AJ ends up picking up the dub. I thought it was good, and I thought it was a good way to bring back LA Knight. Um, I've been missing LA Knight. Um, I thought it was a pretty good match. Um, I, I was surprised that LA Knight was back, um, and it looks like him and Grayson are going to have a feud. And I I think it could be. A top feud because Grayson Waller has shown that he is a future star. You and I both know that LA Knight is just pure money. So he's just I, a star I, right now. Yeah, this guy. I, whenever I he gets the moment, just, on, go ahead. Yeah. I'm so I'm so glad that this wasn't a as you say a, a, a schmaz finish with Omos or somebody showing up and causing AJ to lose because this was the right finish to this match. Totally agree. Shout out to Grayson Waller. He's just doing yeah, some really good, really good work. He, I want to see him get punched in the face, and so that's uh, he's doing his job. <laughs> we get over to AEW. We they had a weird Battle of the Belts show on Saturday night that right. ended up um, 
an no, Cody, an interim AEW champion, TNT champion, which I I don't ever really like that. I mean, if you're if either, you're gonna do, if you're a either gimmick, the champion or the not or not, I understand yeah. why MMA does it because then it can build up a real unification fight where two people are beating the the hell out of each other. But for wrestling, just strip them, and then hey, when you come back, you get an automatic rematch. Exactly, exactly. I, I just, I, I it's just, worked. It, with Shawn Michaels, like once with the yeah. IC belt, that was like the only time because there was actually reality to it. Shawn Michaels got like released from the company when he was the champ, and then they brought <laughs> yeah. him back. So there was yeah. like that was this well, actual. This yeah. is way different. It's way different, and it was fine. Like Sammy gets the win. Um, Ricky Starks defeated Matt Seidel in for the FTW Championship, and then Britt Baker got the win against uh, Riho. In a women's match that was on Saturday night But I mentioned it just in, in, Because they are going to have some of these Battle of the Belts type specials sure. On uh, on T, uh, TBS and TNT Something to keep an eye on But we kicked off Dynamite With like a Raw segment Yes! This so funny! Raw playbook! Like this, 90 like, people involved A bunch of people involved All promos And they're all like former WWE people too Or like right. you know a lot of them We get right. Cole Cole out there with O'Reilly and Fish talking about a new era in AEW, but the Young Bucks interrupt. The Young Bucks are pissed. Matt Matt Jackson said he kicked COVID's ass in two days, and yeah. uh, and Kyle O'Reilly. I I feel bad because when Kyle just starts to talk, it just doesn't oh, yeah. like no, it doesn't come out good. the way he wants. Like he doesn't no. word things well. You know, he said, well, you guys weren't invited to Jacksonville either, but you still showed up. You know, it just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bad actor on 90210. Somebody it, wants to fight Dylan at the peach pit. You're right. You're really okay, right. Pal. That's that's very much <laughs> what it is. And um, Cole was, you know, Bobby Fish and O'Reilly said they're, they want to be the tag team champs. The Young Bucks said they're the best tag team. They were the longest reigning tag champs. It looked like they were about to get into it, but... Um, Cole kind of stopped them and said, "This is what we need: friendly competition." And he says, "You know, we're the greatest faction in AEW history, not these stupid best friends." And then here come the best friends. The best friends they come out, and we get into a brawl. Uh, Chris Statlander actually comes out, and that triggers Britt Baker. So this is the first time on screen that Britt and Cole have like acknowledged that they're engaged or they're dating, and. Uh, are they married yet, or are they engaged still? No, they they're, they're not married. They're okay, not married. yeah, I don't think no, they're fully they're married. married. So, and, and they kiss too. We got a kiss. Yeah, they kiss. Britt comes in. She saves him. Um, she ends up holding up Orange Cassidy, I think, for him to to super kick. So, what did you think of the use of Britt? Uh, let me say this: this is a lot more than Britt's been on TV on Dynamite in a while. So, yes, she and, and, she and, and felt bigger now. At least that she I mean, has it, since she won a, the title recent. since yep. that match. Yep. yep. What, so what do you think of all this? I, I thought it was WWE-ish right out of the book. Uh, again, we probably had too many in the ring, but it leads to an intergender match next week. Cole and Baker versus Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander, which, you know, here, you know, Britt has ran through everyone except Mercedes Martinez, right? I, I wish we would maybe build this up a little bit more. I th- let, there has been some people of saying, okay, they're ripping off 
know, Beth and Edge versus Miz and Maurice, and maybe they are, but I agree with you. This is this is the most important Brit has looked since she's raised the title in her hand for the first time after she won the match. Yeah, she did. She felt like a star again here. And I, I like, like I agree. Was it perfect? And was and we're gonna get into like there's too much happening a lot of the time. Um Putting Cole and Britt together, I like. Is money. I think, I think the two of them together is very good. And yes. I'm intrigued by whatever happens with all of these guys. And when Kenny comes back, if we get the Undisputed Era versus Kenny and the Young Bucks match. And there's a lot of cool matches we could get with them. But it is simple is best with this. Anytime that you can explain the past, that you can bring up things that have happened, that you can tell us a little bit about who these people are, that's great. Because like we were saying... Not every AEW fan followed everything that happened in NXT. So they don't know all of the ups and downs and everything. So, uh, you know, and now you're on a new network, you're on TBS, you know, maybe some video packages, which they did show a few here, and maybe some things to kind of just, they, they, they may have to be a little more WWE-ish with segments like this. Because you and I have hit on it, Chad, and you say it all the time. The Really good 15 to 20 minute wrestling matches Don't get you incredible ratings No, it doesn't It just does not, never has They never not they, going to. No, and if if you have a really good match like that That's been built Then people will tune in But but if it's just a Oh hey, we're going to have these, really two, these two great tag teams out there To wrestle for 15 minutes You'll have people flipping the channels And changing here and there And not that intrigued If it's Hey, it's going to be The Rock and John Cena, whatever it is, and the, we built these people up. That's when when you care, and so I, I think we'll end up seeing a, a little bit more of that. I, and like the war, this this next match, I I completely understand what they did. I'm shocked that CM Punk let this happen. Sure, he got absolutely destroyed in the ring. I mean, <laughs> he was did nothing. Wardlow. Did he hit seven power bombs on him? Yeah, a lot. And, and, and Punk was and, and, out. And dude, what I what I'm reading is Wardlow's contract is up here pretty quick, and the WWE have their sights on this guy. They love this guy. Doesn't he just feel yeah. like I, I think somebody on Wrestling Inc. Um, was listening one of the last couple nights compared him to Sheamus. Sure. He kind of feels sure. because Wardlow feels like he's. The big show in AEW because AEW is such there's so much small talent. A lot of the guys are really small. Wardlow wouldn't be as big in WWE, but he would look like a stud and a star, and he would have that. I mean, I you could see it instantly. The guy can go. He's got it, and the crowd is really, really getting behind him. He had Punk beat. He went to go pin him. MJF wouldn't let him do it. MJF said, "Keep doing the power bombs. Keep beating him down." There were multiple times where Wardlow was about to pin him. He ended up putting Punk through a table, and then he Punk somehow was able to get back in the ring before the ten count. MJF said another power bomb, and then Wardlow goes for it. Punk gets the uh, the the inside cradle, and he rolls him up for the win. I mean, this wasn't even really about Punk at all. This is MJF and Wardlow stuff. Uh, yes. Because uh, Spears comes out right and says, no, no, no. And then, what, a couple of segments down the line, MJF comes out and just, we, we're we convinced MJF is finally going to 
This was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Right? And then he goes, no, next week, it's Punk versus Sean Spears. Says, I'm like, next week, okay. finally, what you've all been waiting for. He kept saying, I'm going to kick your ass, Punk. You know what? You know what? Yeah. You're, you're trying to dodge me. You're trying to duck me. You know what? Next week, everyone, it's going to happen. Next week, one-on-one, CM Punk versus Sean Spears. Sean Spears. It was great. And I think was JR great. even said, I don't think that's what everybody wants. And it's like, <laughs> who's this kid kidding? <laughs> that was pretty funny. That made me laugh. That was good. So, that was good. Um, I will give Punk a shout for like, he doesn't yeah. have a big, he doesn't have a massive ego with, with AEW, you know, in, no. you know, we've been sort of critical and I don't think that his in ring work has been as good as it used to. It would be hard to be as good as he was before. And everybody else has sort of gotten a little bit better. Um, and, sure. He's older. His mic work is getting better now that he's having feuds. But I will say he does seem to honestly want to help a lot of these younger guys. Okay, let me ask you this. Jericho buried MJF. And I use the word buried just because we thought MJF was going to go over Jericho after all of that, right? Mm -hmm. Does Punk bury MJF? I I think when they have the match, they're obviously going to have Wardlow get involved. So sure. I, I think that's going to be their out, right? For them, that's they'll a have good out. That's a good right, out. and it is, it is, because then, I'm okay and with me that. too, me too, because then you have a punk, or you have punk can win, and then punk can go if he wants to go to the title or go somewhere else for a baby face. That's fine. You have MJF Wardlow for a little bit, and then you can circle. Like I don't think MJF will get sort of like Darby. Sort of feels like he's out of sight, out of mind right now, right? Where's he been? Like Sting right, and him show up for just a little bit, and they're yeah, they're in they're the weird attacking people. I don't the, I don't like that. Claim that, that's attack. hill. That's hill. That's hill stuff to me. I don't yeah. like that. So I'm I'm yeah. I think this will be okay if they end up having okay. that the way that Punk wins because of Wardlow. That's finally the moment that Wardlow turns on um, Wardlow turns on MJF. Now we had another match where it, it, Ricky Starks and Hobbs are trying to cheat. And it looks like Dante Martin's in trouble. And then here comes Jay Lethal. Yeah. Which, okay, so Jay Lethal showed up about a month ago. We haven't seen him since. Alfred Kanua, who is posting some stuff, was like, Jay Lethal, where did he go? He posts those funny videos. Yeah, he's been in a tag match with Sonny Kiss on Tuesday nights. It's it's pretty funny. Um, (laughs) But then Jay Lethal shows back up. But what's weird about this isn't. Leo Rush supposed to be the one with Dante Martin. Didn't Dante Martin already have ties to like three yeah. other people? His brother, and I, Leo, and, and now and Jay. I know, and I don't know if this goes back to Leo Rush calling out Tony Khan for the swole It feels stuff. like it. It feels like a punishment to me. And then, you know, AEW comes out with, oh, we're going to do a big, you know, we're going to honor February as, you know, we're not going to honor it as it is. February is Black History Month. Um, I don't, it just, again, it feels AEW is just so factionated and it just so, so many people are involved with so many, I understand they're trying to shove so many, so many workers into 120 minutes, but I I just didn't understand Dante Martin and this powerhouse Hobbs because they've been pushing powerhouse Hobbs as this guy who's supposed to be a legit challenger. And I, what didn't Dante Martin go over Powerhouse Hobbs on Wednesday night? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of just so, odd to me. Yeah, I didn't. I 
It just yeah, it's it's a lot. Again, so now we have wasn't this like the exact same finish of the punk match? Yes. Yes. Good catch. Like it's a, and this was right next to each other. Back to back. We got how about Chris Jericho with the slip? Did you hear this one? When he <laughs> said we want to take over the country. And he was, I mean, uh company. Country, company, world, all of that stuff. He, he like, leaned into it. And it was like, oh. And some of the people who know some of his politics and what he was saying about January 6th of last year, they were like, I guess he does want to take over the country here. But nonetheless, that's a different podcast for a different day. Um, I can tell you this. I don't think a lot of people anymore give credence to the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Awards. That was a magazine. Okay. First off. let, let Let me tell you. That was the magazine that I subscribed to as a kid that I thought was the greatest thing ever because I could read these top 10 lists at the back of the magazine. Who was the number one wrestler in the Northeast? Who was the number one? But over the last five to six years and since AEW has been around, it's 100% anti-WWE. It's anti-corporation. And I just don't care about Pro Wrestling Illustrated anymore. That's my that's my take. I, I mean, it's cool if you know to get um a, like a, an award. And if if you're on Twitter and you want to acknowledge it and stuff, I think that's fine. I mean, they were ha- they took pictures. Did you see the photos they took I, with the with I the did, plaques with the with the plaques with Brit and and Omega? It's like and it's, me. It's like me. And I, this is a real award. A real. It's not a gimmick. This is I, I was voted most humorous and class clown of the class of '93 at LCM High School in Orange, Texas. Look at that! I, my parents were not. That was not an award they were expecting out of their their youngest of two children. Um, so I did not have a photo shoot with that. But I I thought it was a little gimmicky to have Me a too. photo shoot with these little bitty plaques. I'm sorry. And- I just thought it was odd. I mean, I gotta be honest too, because it's with a lot of this stuff too. The the bi- again, the biases like that are anti WWE with a lot of those things and the voting and some of them, it's very apparent because sure. you know it's like okay, Britt was hot last year for a while. You know, she was definitely someone who could have won some of the awards. So is Omega and stuff. But it's like every award in some of those things is AEW, and it, it kind of roll your eyes a little bit because. It comes down to it's not that I don't believe they should have won some of those words. It's just sort of like it, it, you put them in a weird spot because Tony Khan has always been a reader of these magazines and these publications, and he paid for these products, and they all know that about Tony. And he like it just it's just a different like the the way people feel about AEW is way different than they feel about WWE. And I think in any time there's like voting. First, for stuff, you can see that where the biases sort of come in. So, sure, um, sure. the the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Awards, they were all out there, and even like Jericho mentioning it, like Jericho. Okay, Britt, she's only been in the business for like this is the <laughs> biggest moment of her life right now, right? Like, so so Britt to be excited that she won like Women's Wrestler of the Year, like that's a cool thing for her to be excited about. But Jericho talking about winning the best faction. Of PWI It's like dude 
You beat the Rock and Stone Cold in the same freaking <laughs> night for nice. the undisputed championship, and the faction PWI thing is what's important right now. <laughs> like, I I knew that would get you fired up. Hey, I know. Please talk about your new new tour with Fozzie. Seriously, you know, I was the eye awards or just go take over the country or something, you know. <laughs> but uh, that was fantastic. It was, and uh, and Kingston he tried to get Santana and Tease to turn on them on him, which was funny. He <laughs> said, was. You're not champs because of Jericho, so these guys should have, have a you know fun back and forth with you know on the mics and stuff, but uh, well, you know. Kingston is another one. He's had some big feuds and some good opportunities, but he keeps getting like he'll lose and then get shuffled down, and then lose and then you get a little bit shuffled down the card, and then you lose and then you get shuffled down the card. Yeah, and I think we're going Kingston Jericho, right? Yeah, we gotta be going next. Yeah, it it feels like there's so many people that we haven't seen a lot of recently. Kingston a little bit here and there. Um, We then get uh, oh, we got that little backstage where Britt Baker Britt showed her presence there. She felt like she was, you know. Yeah, the one, the one in yeah. charge, uh, and then they're Stat telling them, not safe anymore. So we're cut. we're gonna take them out. <laughs> cut that, Cutler. Cut it, yeah. cut it. They're screaming at him. <laughs> we got uh the Hangman Adam Page who comes out with his cowboy uh, garb on, and he was interrupted by Dan Lambert. God. And, and uh, you know what, Lambert was sort of funny in here. Uh, um, with what he was saying The problem with all of this This got really confusing Very so, confusing Lambert Last time we saw Lance Archer He took out Lambert And right. then Lambert comes out He's talking trash to Paige So we think Lambert's Maybe setting something up Like Paige even mentioned the Scorpio, Sky, or you know Ethan want a shot? Sure, I'll give him a- So we think we're maybe setting it up for one of them to get a shot at a title or a match with Paige or something. And then Archer comes out like he's going to attack Lambert again, but instead Lambert is able to to sort of redirect Archer to Paige and like, "Hey, you're in the ring with the champ. Go after him. Take advantage." And then he and does. Why Lance Archer? That's what Look, I I have no problem with Lance Archer. I like Lance this, Archer. This why does he come back and win just... a couple matches? Right, it was just odd. Where's he been? If he's been hurt, that's fine. And he's involved with Lambert and, and Hangman. I just, uh, I, I don't know here, man. I, I just don't know. I, I just hope Hangman doesn't get this treatment that the, the champ doesn't. With all these people, it feels like Hangman's being left out in the cold. He's being left out of all of this Adam Cole. Young Bucks stuff. I don't know. I, I just don't think Lance Archer is the way to go. But that's no. apparently what what we're doing. This and you know what? This isn't just a WWE problem either. No, it's, it's there's like a weird thing about booking baby faces when they win the title. Face champions. It, you I win the you, champ, Gino. The you easiest did. thing to do is win is, that damn is title. the chase, and that's why I keep kind of getting back to Big E with like Big E winning the Rumble and the chase to the Mania could be fun. But it's it's what happens after this same it's thing hard, happened with man. Daniel Bryan when he won years back and they gave him Kane right after. It's hey, like what, they was it that the year he changed the titles because it um, he was the earthy Daniel. Oh, that Bryan. was when he turned heel afterwards, and then he turned okay. he was the all the, uh, the all planets champion. That was hilarious. It was good. It's just really tough 
to maintain the pop once you have the gold. Because once you've hit the top, you know, it, it's hard to maintain that status unless you're Austin, Cena, The Rock, you know, guys like that. It, it's just, it, it's tough, man. It's really tough. And I thought this is a, a look, I don't have a problem with Lance Archer. But give me some other reason for him to be the number one contender. Completely agree because they're they're big on the the hey we've got a ranking system and we've got people that come in and and you know pushing powerhouse Hobbs and then he loses on the same show. So I don't. Last week they had the 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 whole thing where MJF loses because the rankings all got reset. So the rankings get reset. I understand that. So that means a guy who hasn't even been on TV in months can just come in and he's the number one contender. Number one That's, contender. That is something that people and I and you both. It's not in. I'm getting mad at AEW for doing it. I literally get mad when WWE does it. Yes. Like have somebody come in and win a couple matches. That's all. It's very simple. Bring them in. Have them win two or three matches, put them in a number one contender spot, match, battle royal feud, gauntlet match, anything. Have them win that. Boom. There you go. It's not that hard. But when you just shove someone up there, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Uh, the playoffs are starting right now. Teams don't just make the Super Bowl. You got to win a game or two to get <laughs> there. True. Like you got to. Um, I, I laugh my ass off with FTR telling Arn Anderson's son that Arn wants them to be their son, that him to be their son instead. That made, <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. And they, they just set up a little match. And Arn and Tully with a handshake there, that I kind of popped on, on that for a second. Um, Serena D looks badass. Like, I like her. She's really good. If if Britt is a babyface, Serena D could be like a fun heel challenger that she'll, that'll never win the title, but just to kind of go up against Britt. Like I like, you know, she she's much more of a presence now than she was a few months ago. I think she does leaving and going back. Um, gonna yeah, be yeah. I think that's what the beatdown was for, right? With the chair, like a right or, yeah, a write off. We yep. uh, we didn't we, we didn't see Mercedes, did we? Or did I miss out? No, I don't think so. I don't think uh, so. Yeah. Okay. All right. We quick other few things to mention on uh, AEW before we get out of here. Um, Jurassic Express, they're going to defend the titles Dark Order challenge, challenge them We had just like a goofy interaction With these and guys, like, where's finally, Christian's been? And, and, yeah, it's like he, he gets left out and then... This guy was beating Kenny Omega <laughs> In the main event Or like in the At first match on Rampage He won the main event, or he won the Impact title He's in the main event of pay-per-views And now he just, nowhere Like, why is yeah. he He is not, not in a match on Friday on Rampage and he is not on a, in a match next Wednesday on Dynamite. And then you got all. like Matt Hardy versus Penta. Should and Penta ends up winning, and that's that's fine. But like, wh- what has Matt Hardy been doing? No, and then the, then the Varsity Blondes, right? And then the lights go out, or we get Malachi Black. Then the lights go out, and then we finally figure out why the lights have been going out. You know, Brody, it's Brody King, King. You know which. I, I, I guess him and Malachi are going to be, uh, I think they're what, the PCW champions? Uh, they're a tag team champion somewhere in some promotion. They have a name, I'm not sure. But Matt Hardy, I'm sorry. Again, massive Hardy Boy fans. But, I mean, we're not even getting, just, ah. Well, remember when he came to WWE, it was right after all the delete 
deletion stuff, and everybody and they was won the really tag titles at WrestleMania. Remember, they, they got added to the match. They the Hardys win. He's over. Um, and then he do was the doing delete. this. He was doing the stuff with Bray Wyatt, which it never caught on, right? Like it never caught yeah. on very well in WWE. The only problem is, what has he been doing that's since that's caught on? Like Apparently that was just Monday or Tuesdays. It's it's YouTube stuff on dark because been, that was my thing yeah. with like a lot of these people who, if they are happy and content with what they're doing and the job and the roles they have and the jobs they're doing, I will never say. I, I mean, I would never say a word to them. But I'm saying it seems funny to me that for some of these people who we had heard that they wanted creative freedom or they wanted more time or they wanted more of this, it's like. You're telling me Christian wouldn't be on WWE TV more right now with Edge around? Of course yeah. he would. They'd be at least doing some tag matches here and there. They'd have had a match against each other. Christian was a W like a world t- a champion in, in WWE. I'm it just surprises to me that he's just like why why is he backstage and you've got Matt Hardy wrestling a match here? Doesn't that I seem th- weird? Gino, like, it, I I just think they're happy with it. I think yeah, they're happy. I think they're happy. With the ratings, um, I think they're they're um, I, I, the gimmick where they're just going to not release wrestlers. They're just going to not renew contracts. I just think as of right now, they're just happy with things are going and they think things are going well and they're just going to go with it. I can tell you this. I saw multiple pictures from multiple people Wednesday night in the arena during Dino. Not when doors open, not when they're taping dark, not when they're taping rampage. There was a lot of empty seats, especially on hard cam side. So they're not outselling. Okay. They may be, I think, you know, the rating was 970, uh, 970,000 from from Wednesday night. I think I saw earlier today. I, I just, I think they're happy with what's going on. And I just, I think we're not going to see a clear vision for them for, for quite some time. Again, we're not getting another pay-per-view until March. They haven't said they're doing anything on Mania weekend. Everyone else and their mama is. Impact just announced they're doing something on Friday. Hell, Ring of Honor is not even an, uh, an organization anymore. They just announced they're having a show on Saturday night. On yeah, and they actually, they mentioned the Ring of Honor tag team champs, right? Did they say that's what they, they referred to them as? Uh, Malachi yeah. Black and uh, Brody King? So yeah. Yeah, and, and then you have the acclaimed defeated Bear Country, and that's when you have Darby and Sting come out and attack the acclaim. I, I just, uh, I don't know, yeah. man. It's it, it, it's been it's been there's some good things, but I had a lot of complaints again this week. I agree. I didn't. There was a lot of things on this show that were eh, like not that didn't feel all that special. I know you can't always be special, 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 but no, but that's but why I they went think, out and got all that talent. Like that's why they I don't went out. Think Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. In the main event with David Crockett, who probably no AEW fan even knows who the hell that is, awarding an interim title to. You know, and I don't, then, we I, yeah, I didn't, a, then we get 2.0 Jericho and Kingston to end the show. And that's the thing. It's like, so there's a match, and then at the end, you've got Jericho and Kingston and 2.0. Yeah. Like, Jericho and Sammy, you can understand. But sure, then Kingston's got a thing with 2.0, so now he's out there. And then it just gets like... Is this have anything to do with Sammy and the match that's going on right, right now? Right. Um, yeah, the interim thing I think was a little bit weird. And, you know, maybe both WWE and AEW have had some COVID issues here and there um, over the last few weeks. So maybe we give them a little bit of a mulligan for some stuff. But I was 
you know, you feel like, again, you just moved the TBS, you, you moved to a new station, like, let's kick ass, right? AEW, I know no wrestling company can do that. But right now, if you were AEW, I would try my hardest to make every single show feel like it was a pay-per-view. Yes. When, because and that's, they have it to do it. They have the talent to do it. They do. And because WWE has the built-in years and years and years and years on you. For AEW, unfortunately, the one or two weeks where your show may not be as great, you're going to lose some viewers. Whereas WWE's got all those people that are like, ah, you know, it wasn't very good, but I'll watch again next week. Like that's that's something that built people have built into years and years and years and years. So um, yeah, kind of a weird week in wrestling, but we are on the road to WrestleMania, the road to the Royal Rumble. We'll continue on talking everything in WWE, NXT, and AEW right here. But Koopaloop, we're on the road to the NFL playoffs coming up <laughs> yes. this weekend. Playoffs? I'm uh actually just found out as we were recording, I'm a little surprised that the Texans fired their head coach, Cully. I thought he I, did I a decent job this year. With, I, I, I mean, they I have nothing. He, yeah, I thought he did too. I, you know, I, I I was listening to the radio broadcast on Sunday as I was doing a little exercising. Um, I'm an Andre Ware fan, University of Houston, and he's their he's their uh, color commentator with Mark Vandermeer, and he, what he was saying is right now what the Texans need to do is just without a doubt name Mills their starting quarterback. There should be no court, you know, controversy. It is what it is. Give this, give this kid, um, uh, you know, all, all, all the the momentum uh, and respect he needs for having a year as he did. I thought this guy would get one more year, but apparently not. I think they fired the defensive coordinator too. Um, it, it's uh, look it, when you only have a couple of head coach vacancies to fill uh you kind of really you kind of see the names that are probably going here or there but now we're racking up and will we see you know uh harbaugh from michigan come up uh i, I can't believe the dolphins fired brian flores dude I he's I mean, a that great dude, coach that dude is going to be hired anywhere he, he's a miracle worker so but the texans uh, being this close to Houston, uh, even though I'm not a Texas fan, but following them, this has to be a home run hire, whoever it is. They, it, 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 Bill O'Brien was a bust who I'm hoping and praying gets the Jacksonville Jaguar job because that would just be just too good because I think he was one of the biggest reasons why that Alabama lost on Monday. Denied. I thought the offensive play call in the red zone for Alabama, which is absolutely horrific. But anyway, the NFL, man, the playoffs, just looking at the AFC, if you don't, if you don't think the Kansas City Chiefs are real and you don't like the way the Tennessee Titans, um, hell, they shouldn't even beat the Texans. The next team up is Buffalo. I'm not, are you sold on Buffalo? And then the next team, uh, looking at uh, the values, are the Cincinnati Bengals, who Joe Burrow and that offense have looked absolutely unstoppable. They just have, and I know a lot of Sharps are betting the Raiders this weekend, uh, morning line, to beat the Bengals. Um, I'm not saying the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl because Burrow, he, he could be one of those guys that throws four interceptions, but he looks healthy. 
Um, I think this team can put up some points. Uh, I'm not sold on the Chiefs. I've never been a Patrick Mahomes fan. Tennessee Titans, I always thought they were frauds. The Buffalo Bills, I thought the year they were going to be the Kansas City Chief Killers. They weren't. Man, it's just so wide open right now. I think the only lock, I think it's going to be really hard for a team to go up to Green Bay and beat Green Bay, Green Bay in Wisconsin in this weather. But man, it's uh, it's wide open. The only two team, the only team I know that's not going to the Super Bowl are the Philadelphia Eagles. They're just not going to the Super Bowl. Coop, I bet, <laughs> I bet the Bengals at plus eight hundred to win the AFC and plus eighteen hundred to win the Super Bowl. I'm with dude, you, I want, dude. That's why I said it. They're plus two thousand at my book. I'm putting, I'm putting money on that okay. just because so, that offense is so hot. I'm not convinced that the Kansas City Chiefs or Tennessee Titans can beat anybody. And here's I, the Browns should have beat the Chiefs last year. Here's my my sort of. I'm looking at the road, like how the 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 brackets and how they're going to shape up. So right. I, I think that the th- I agree with you in that. Like I don't think the Titans are that good. I don't think the no, Titans are. A I no. do. Th- I think in the AFC, I think the three best teams are the Bills, the Chiefs, and the and the Bengals. Right. So I think okay. those three are the three teams. Now the Bengals and the Bills are going to have. Or the Bengals are going to play if they win the Titans. The Bills and the Chiefs are going to have to play each other. I think the road that the Bengals have is much simpler. If you only have to beat a Raiders team that you're a six-point favorite over, and then it you has go in their own coach that everyone thinks the greatest now because they won some gimmick game on Monday, you know, on Sunday night football, the, you know, the, oh, the you're supposed to tie game with, you know, I, I'm with you, man. Then you I'm go, you. if That's you beat them, you go play Tennessee. Tennessee is Ranked by the DVOA metrics from Football Outsiders, they are the worst number one playoff seed in the history of the metric that they've been doing. The like they they shouldn't be a number one. In fact, they they have a lower like cumulative event advanced ranking like metrics than any team that's ever been a number two seed in the playoffs this and year's Titans getting, team. I know they're going to get the running back back, right? And but but they've actually been running the ball. Really pretty well Like Foreman who's been running for them He's not bad And you never know when someone returns like that And And, and, and speaking of the Buffalo Bills Josh Allen has been playing the worst football of his career Heading into the playoffs I'm not sold on them at all You got um, The the weather with the Buffalo In the Buffalo game It's going to be like 4 degrees this week Against uh, the Patriots That's a weird one And even if Buffalo and KC both win Then it's Buffalo versus KC. If if they lose for whatever reason, then the Bengals are only going to have to play one of either Buffalo or KC. To me, that's why I like the Bengals in this spot. And Bengals just beat KC. I, they just I, just, beat I, I, I know the spread is six or six and a half. There are a lot of people that I that I respect and I look at that just they love value and they love the way this Raider team is playing. No, uh, thank you. Know, you. They're, they're the Raiders should have lost to the coach. Browns, and they wouldn't even dude. have been in this conversation without dude. without Baker and with a, all of the COVID stuff. They had stuff. a JV quarterback. They had Mullins in, and all game. It was third and four. It was third and four. The Browns had the ball with the lead. If the Browns picked up a first down, the game is over, and the Raiders don't make the playoffs. Now, and, 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 and Der- I'm sorry, Derek Carr. You know he's a car. 
I'm sorry. I, I, I like Cincinnati. I'm betting the future, and I'm betting Cincinnati minus six. I'm betting against the Eagles. And I tell you what, though, I, I, I think Arizona has a chance to cover that spread. The, the NFC, I, I think it goes through Green Bay. I, I hate the Dallas Cowboys. I just I, – I, in Texas, you either love them or you hate them, and I just hate them. I, I just don't like that. I think they're fraudulent. I, you know, I, I don't they're I don't think they're strong anywhere. Um, they rely on Dak Elliott's probably the most overpaid and overhyped running back in, in the last recent. I don't know, but uh, you know, I think the Niners. I, I think maybe they can stay close. They can they can stick around. They didn't. You know, I I, I it's wild, man. It's gonna be a fun weekend, man. That's for sure. We're gonna be rooting for the Bengals I'm here. You knew about the, the, the Tiger King, Joe Exotic. We're going to be a couple Tiger Kings <laughs> ourselves, Koopa Loop, and me, Gino B, trying to get the Bengals home this year. Koop, brother, thank you so much. You have an awesome weekend, buddy, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. We'll see you next week, Gino. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more on That's What G Said. Big thank you to Koopa Loop for helping us out with another edition of This Week in Wrestling. Eric, who has been with us every single week through the NFL season. Let's make some money come playoff time. We had a lot of racing to discuss. We're going to be bringing you Sam Houston and Santa Anita coverage every day that they're racing. We'll have some information for you, some wagers, some best bets, some stuff to play at Sam Houston and at Santa Anita. Don't forget about the big stable duel contest, the pick'em.sananita.com free game to enter and all those live streams this weekend free for you. We want to help make uh, everything as easy as possible before you make your wagers. Good luck this weekend. Make sure to give me a follow over. It's me, Gino B. We have so much stuff and anything that's uh, coming up new, anytime we, we do a little extra stuff, it's always there. It's me, Gino B, on Twitter. Joey, buddy, close this show out.